guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. We are jumping into episode 502 today. Yes, I have girl. a question for you before we start, though. I'm going to try to start doing this for every episode of <laughs> season five, even though I already missed an episode. Uh, this or that question. Okay. Woody's or Babylon? Babylon. Babylon, for sure, for me. Babylon is always, I love when we have an opening scene in Babylon. Like, I mean, it just sets the tone for the mm-hmm. episode. That thumpa thumpa. Yeah. Um, all the little confetti everywhere, the lights, mm-hmm. you know, the bodies dancing. I mean, it's just live. When we go to Woody's, it's more of a chill vibe. Yeah. I'm more of an energetic person. So, yeah. Babylon for me. I think if I'm going out, yeah, definitely yeah. I want it to be a Babylon night because oh. I can do a Woody's night at my house. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I can head at the crib. You know, let's get a couple bottles. I can pour yeah. up. I can mix a little something. We can chill, watch TV, hang out. Mm-hmm. But you can't you can't recreate that Babylon. Right. Especially with that back room. You just, That's true. Just, oh, we're going to talk about that. Okay, well, so sorry. I caught you off guard with that. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was on my mind and I didn't want to forget it. We're doing 502 today. So you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. We start out in L.A. where Rage is being taken down by the man, unfortunately. And um, we see Justin walk over to his work table to pack up his personal effects because Mm -hmm. production's over. It's over. Time to go. On his table, there are some panels that he was working on. And it's another reminder of this great piece of art that we are not going to get to see on the big screen. Mm -hmm. And as I was watching that, I was thinking about all the great art that we've missed out on in the real world because it had minority characters or queer themes or whatever. And just like how much talent the world never got to see because of the look, gender or orientation of the artist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which is sad, but we still needed people like the Justin Taylors to keep fighting to break down those walls. Yeah. And I mean, we needed those crusaders. And I mean, and we still do. Yeah, and we still, even though it's 2022, yeah, we still need those crusaders out there fighting and pushing and setting the tone for, you know, what the world should expect. I yeah. mean, it can't be just a small, closed-minded box. Right. We're, like, we're that's, I'm always going to champion anything that is good representation, mm-hmm. like good, healthy representation. I'm always going to champion that and, and root for that because we do miss out in the True. world. There are so many little boys and little girls I mean, out there, they need to see themselves in some character. They need to right. be represented. They need some type of representation out there for themselves. Could you imagine if we were able to push it a little further? Right. You know, or if we did have a rage, a gay a superhero character. I, who Do we have one now? Eternals in the Marvel Universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I haven't seen it yet. Shame on me. But they do have that one that I know of. And there, I think there are more coming, though. We've come so far. We yeah. just got to keep pushing. Yeah. And to where that looks just as normal as some of the other stuff mm-hmm. that, that we see. Yeah. Okay. You were supposed to tell me that it's too early in the episode for me to be going all like deep in real world. <laughs> you know what, girl? Let me, you know, it's too, it's too early in the episode. <laughs> it's okay. too late now. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, so how do you think Justin is feeling now as he's packing up all this stuff? I think he's proud of himself. Like he made it this far, but at the same time, he's disappointed. He's hurt. And he's probably disappointed because of all the things we just discussed. It wasn't like he had a bad script, so they said, hell no, get the hell up out of here. Mm-hmm. It was the fact they couldn't get past Rage being a gay character and then selling it to the masses. You know, they couldn't get past the dollar signs or how, it would, how the dollar signs would be affected if they put something out there. For one, you're not psychic. You don't know who would have came out the woodwork right. to watch this movie and promoted this. You You just don't know it. So I think... What he's feeling right now is disappointment, sadness, hurt, like such a good project, what this could have been. 
and it was just snatched from him so quickly. Yeah. And he's so young. I mean, he was out here by himself, living the dream. Really, like, I mean, his career was moving forward Mm -hmm. very quickly. He was making these connections. Part of a production. He was killing it. And then it was just all just snatched from him in the blink of an eye. You know, I'm sure it's all fresh and it's going to take some time for him to sort through all of it. But it's got to be, like you said, a mixture of anger and sadness and heavy doses of disappointment. Like this is yet another thing in his life that homophobia has stolen from him and just another dream that was ripped away from him in his very young life. And he's going back to Pittsburgh with what seems like nothing to show for it for his time out there, which is not true at all, because he did give himself a chance. And you can't regret giving yourself a chance at something. And I mean, there was a studio full of people working on something that That Justin and Michael created. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a really cool thing. And that's something to be proud of. And also he was able to make these connections. I think he has a friend in Brett Keller Mm -hmm. for life. So, I mean, there's many other business ventures that he can that that could open up. And I mean, he was able to have sex with a movie star. Yeah, And then like all the other fun that I'm sure he has. So it wasn't all for not. But I can see how it might feel that way. Like, you know, the inspirational quotes will tell you to be proud of yourself and but we know in reality, like, this one's going to hurt for a while. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, easier said than done. Yeah, and I'm sure another lingering thought for him is what what now? Right. Like, what next? What now? Uh, one of the panels on his work table is a bedroom scene of Rage and JT. And notice the camera direction on one of them says, yes. push in slow. <laughs> uh, anyway, but we said something similar in, a, in the last episode. But this is one of the ways that, that Justin had Brian with him while he was in LA. He had him with him without actually having True. him there because he was telling a highly dramatized version of their story. Mm-hmm. Like of all the panels on the table, that's the only one that he grabs and puts in his bag. And now that could be theft of property if that belongs to the studio. I don't know. I didn't right. see the contract. But the point is behind all of the excitement, all the villains and everything else, this is a story about their love, True. the two of them. And that's what Justin said in season three. So when everything else falls apart, at least there is still that. True. Um, so of all the souvenirs and reminders he could take, the one he chooses points to his relationship with Brian. And then also there was a reminder of, I still have this waiting for me at home. It's been months since they've seen each other. So you need to get back, get grounded again. Go back home. This is going to be your reset button. Yeah. You so know? it's a remi- I'm not going back to nothing. Right. Like, I'm not taking back what I wanted to take back, right. but I'm not going back to nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, then Brian and Ted are at a very empty Babylon. Theodore has been handling all the logistics to get Brian officially ready to reopen his new toy, which is appropriate for boys age 19 and up. (laughs) Tell that to season one and season two, Justin. Uh, uh, Yes, please. Okay. I don't know how he was getting into these Mm -hmm. places. Okay. Yeah. And at the same time, Ben and Michael are checking out the house over in Stepfordville and the coins are looking right. So this possibility is starting to look like a reality for them. And I really like this next bit where we have Ben and Michael and they're talking through the details of creating this very domestic home. And then we have Brian telling Theodore about all his plans to create <laughs> this like den of sin, yes. if you will. So one is all like pink walls and clouds and the other is black walls and condom dispensers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Sounds about right. Yeah. So Brian is pushing to get the doors open as soon as possible. He wants them open that week, that Friday. And they're losing money every day that they're closed. So, and I think he's just like excited yeah. about this new thing. I mean, it is. It's a brand new toy for him. Mm-hmm. And it's a place that he loves. So, I mean, and now that it's his. And like you said, I mean, time is money. Every day the, or every day that the doors are closed, you're not making any money. You're losing right. money. So, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and crack this door open. Let's get it popping <laughs> like it used to be. Right. Let's get the coins. Uh-huh. Okay, for but real? let's move on over to Michael and Ben's coins. 
Because when they walking through this house, yeah, baby girl, like I mean, was that the only one on okay, the block? Listen, and they're like, we're gonna take our time, and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, because we're building a new, a new home, a new life. And when I think of fixer upper, I'm like, you know, just some paint, maybe yeah. like some new handles on the doors. I mean, this house needs the property brothers. Baby, I was thinking that we just knock it down and start <laughs> that it might over. be cheaper. Yeah, yeah. baby. Baby. Yeah, kitchen and bathroom renovations alone are so expensive. Yeah. And that kitchen was a definite no. Baby, I would never eat in that kitchen. N- never, ever. ever. I don't care what they did. I could not get that no. image out of my head. No, I'm telling I wouldn't even, when they were in the house, I was holding my breath. I didn't even want to breathe in the air. You know what I'm I was being real still. Yeah. I didn't want to touch nothing. Nothing. I was like holding my breath. Like, I hell, I hate that they were inhaling that. I was like, yeah. hell, nah. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> Well, then we see Michael, Ted, and Emmett at the diner, and Emmett is handling business on the phone there uh, because his event planning business is still booming. I guess Darren is probably still helping out with some things, Mm -hmm. you know, here and there. So he's on the phone with a very persnickety client, and they are changing every single thing about the wedding. The groom is the producer for the Channel 5 6 o'clock news. The bride is a twice-divorced drama queen who is (laughs) anticipating every disaster. And they are stressing poor Emmy. <laughs> Girl, I want to pull his hair out for him. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> like, let me help you with that. <laughs> for real. Yeah. Baby, let me pluck a few, a few for you. Like, yeah. Lord. Ted says no matter what happens, it won't be any worse than Melanie and Lindsay's anniversary party. And that's probably yeah. true. That went down in flames. Yeah. Like, girl, that was the worst. Yeah. Well, we also see that Teddy is dieting hard. He ordered a BLT, hold the bacon, lettuce, bread, and mayo and fries. <laughs> <laughs> and Debbie really could have put that tomato on a dessert plate. Yeah, but she had to put that on a large plate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I love how he seasoned it up. Yeah. <laughs> it was like with a fork and knife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he tells Emmett that his previous little boyfriend was into fat and old. And that's not what you want to no. hear. Mm. Yeah. Poor Ted. Poor Ted. Poor Ted. And while all people of all shapes and sizes deserve love, Ted doesn't want that to be the reason that someone is going for him. I'm starting to think it's just not meant for Ted. You know, I have <laughs> just a bit of residual fear that makes me nervous to hear him talking like this because... Self-pity and not having a man really don't do great things for Ted. No, it really does (laughs) not. The past has taught us that's not the best situation for him. We should keep a close eye on him. Yeah. He should never be alone. Right. His friends tell him that he is not fat or old. And then we see this beefcake come into the diner handing out flyers for Babylon's reopening. Yes. And Michael is shocked to hear this news. Last he heard, it went belly up. And Brian appears to tell him that he put his mouth on it and blew Mm. it back to life. (laughs) Ted knows this for business reasons, and he likely told Emmett, but Michael didn't know. You kind of surprised that Michael uh, didn't know? Yeah, I was about to ask you that question. Like, why do you think Michael, why do you think um, Brian didn't discuss that with Michael? Do you think Michael has too much going on with the baby? I mean, what? I think he probably, Brian probably just got like, Focused on the business side. Yeah, tunnel vision and focused on the business side of it. And also, I think that there was a role that Michael filled in Brian's life where he was the only one that Brian trusted and really the only one that he talked to on a deeper level. But now, and it wasn't a limitless trust, but it was like the most trusting relationship that he had. But now Brian has more people in his life who always need Michael in some way or have Michael in some ways. Michael's not his only outlet anymore. And so really, this was a project that he worked on with Ted Mm -hmm. because... Ted needed to handle the finances and operations side of it. And he's also his friend and knows about right, Babylon and yeah. whatnot. So I think he just didn't think to tell Michael this. Yeah, I was just really shocked. I was like, oh, it's like a riff in yeah. paradise over here. 
Like, I mean, if anything, I, I don't care how busy Brian is. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like Michael would have known that. Right. You're always in his business. Somehow you find something out and you and Brian discuss it. So, And it seems like this is all... I don't think much time has passed from mm. the last episode to now. When we see Brian is moving very quickly. I right. mean, he just had the, the liquor license turned over into his name and he wanted to open it in a few days. Yeah, I, th- I guess... Well, because it still it hadn't even been cleaned up yet. Yeah, and like no. when, when they were in their last episode, when he told him that he bought it, it was dirty. And so like, I don't think they would let it, let it go that long. Right. So, so... It was a quick turnaround. It was a quick turnaround. And I, I think he did just get tunnel vision right. with it. And it's like... He probably knew this wasn't necessarily something Michael would get excited about. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. Michael thinks that Brian should have used his money to buy a house, but Brian prefers dancing and other stuff to kids and picket fences. <laughs> <laughs> While Babylon was closed, Poppers became the place to be. But Brian is sure all the boys will come running back. Emmett doesn't look so sure, and Ted is like stress eating Emmett's fries. Let's <laughs> see. <laughs> <laughs> Then we see Michael has stopped by to drop off yet another stuffed animal for JR. Mel is there and she's exhausted because it was a rough night with the baby. Mm-hmm. She's colicky. But Lindsay is there on the day shift to help out. Michael apologizes for being so heated after the botched anniversary party, which I am happy to see because he was a little over the top, in my opinion. Um, he was over the top. He overstepped his bounds. I mean, for one, throwing the party for one was too much. And then, yeah. like, why didn't you tell me? What yeah, why are you yelling yeah. at me? I'm going through something. Exactly. Why are you yelling at me and punishing me for... Yeah, he yeah. piped up a little too much when he should have been piping down and trying to understand what was going on. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, I'm glad he apologized for mm-hmm. that. Lindsay appreciates the apology. Melanie doesn't really want to talk about their marital problems. And I can understand that. Because, like, I just don't want to go back. Yeah. And I mean, every he's time like, we get together. Oh, yeah, I noticed this. And I noticed this. Like, I don't want to talk. Yeah. Clearly. I mean, I've been lying about it. I was lying about it for three months. Yeah. Like, we already we already that. explained that we were lying. Mm-hmm. And we wasn't, we wasn't ready to tell you. When we were ready, we were ready. And clearly, I still wasn't ready. But she was. Mm-hmm. So she let it be known. Okay. But, um, yeah, I think he just needs to take a chill pill. Yeah. And in this scene, he, the way he's talking now, it's still like he's almost overstepping. Right. Well, because Michael is like, okay, fine, we won't talk about that, but let's focus on talking about the plan for raising our child. And the girls and me are kind of like, uh, what now? Yeah. And he's like, okay, how much time the baby will spend with Melanie, Lindsay, and then me and Ben now that we're buying a new house? And Melanie is not here for that. Like, they had an agreement that Michael would be a part of the baby's life, but that never included physical custody of the child. This is bad on Melanie, though. Because yeah. I said after <laughs> Gus, I said, okay, on their next baby, if they have one, I know that they're going to have this paperwork, um, this paperwork mm-hmm. done right. We saw what happened with Brian mm-hmm. and, and Melanie. And then when the baby got sick, we saw what happened when she couldn't even go into the um the back of the hospital yeah. in the room. And Brian had to give her the okay. I mean, I would have bet everything on my life. They had paperwork. Had, they, yeah. They did. Remember, they had it drawn up. Michael didn't like it. He was all upset about it. And they tore it up. This is their fault. They, they should have They shouldn't have yeah. tore that up. No, not at all. <laughs> it should have been re- redone and come to some type of agreement. I mean, some type of... Come on now. You learn from your mistakes. I think they had an agreement, but... You cannot just let it be like this common understanding. Yes, I'm it's just going to shake our hands on it. Yeah. No. This is a life involved. Like, <laughs> yes. this needs ink on some paper. Absolutely. And some signatures and a notary. Yep. And a notary. <laughs> At a minimum. Yes. Like, that part. Yeah. Michael says he's wanting to talk about this because when they made that verbal agreement, Melanie and Lindsay were together. They mm-hmm. were a couple and a family. And now all of that has changed. The girls don't really agree. They are still her mothers, and 
they are doing the heavy lifting of making this co-parenting thing they work. They are busting ass. I mean, yeah. no joke. I mean, every time we see Melanie, Lindsay is there. Yeah. And she always has the baby. I mean, it seems like every single day, yes. both mothers are spending time with both, both kids. kids. Yeah. They're coming over. Like, I mean, she Melanie is coming over there every single day. So, yeah. I mean, big ups to her. They bu- And working and holding it down. Yeah. So, I mean, Lindsay like, is. Yeah. yeah, Lindsay. Yeah, Lindsay's ho- working mm-hmm. and holding it down and coming still with the baby. Still got Gus taking him home. Yeah. After work, I mean, she's doing what a mother yeah. should do. Now, sure, there may be kinks in their plan, and there's still a lot of tension between the two girls, but they are doing the work of making this happen. And those kids are not being unloved. No, so, like, they're no, not missing they're not. not one beat. But and it's still relatively early days, and so they're still kind of working out the arrangement or whatever and dealing with their own emotions from the separation. Yeah. But when Michael reminds them that he is JR's father, they are not refuting that. But it's a similar situation to Gus a little bit where they are the primary parents. And that was always the understanding. That's been the understanding for three months. It, you know, it's just until yeah. right now. So what is going on here? There is a role for Michael in the baby's life, but it's not as the, according to Melanie and Lindsay, it's not as the primary guardian or even the decision maker, really. Right. That's what. I, that's where I'm at. That's what and I thought. And I feel like Michael knew that. Yeah. Uh, I knew it. How the hell he not now? For real. I'm like, because why are you just now yeah. challenging that? that why part. didn't you, from the day she came from the hospital, yeah. why weren't you like, okay, when is she going to be Correct. in my house? Yep. And so, you didn't challenge the week that you found out at the anniversary party. You didn't challenge that. Right. Now it's after the fact. So, yeah. why? It's after Eli and Monty. Yeah. It's, it's what it's I For know. real. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Don't you worry. I got way more to say on uh, all of this. Yeah, speaking of Eli and Monty, like he even told them that was the arrangement. That, we, no, we don't raise them. They stay with, with the mothers, but we go over and we, you know. He did, and he responded with, oh, one day you have one that, that on your yeah. own and they come live with you, da 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 Yeah, well, Melanie gathers him together, and then she grabs her daughter and yes. takes her to feed her. How do you think Lindsay feels about all this? I mean, I'm pretty sure she's, like, nervous as hell because yeah. she really has no rights. If Michael really does want to challenge her, I mean, she can't really do anything. Mm-hmm. And now she's not, she doesn't have mail. She really has nothing. So right. she's invested in this too, but it's like she's getting slapped in the face. She's the one being punished. Yeah. You know? I do think she agrees with Melanie when, because when Michael is talking, her forehead is all wrinkled up. Like, what, what are you talking yeah. about? Where is this coming from? Well, it's her daughter. He's yeah. literally saying like, I'm the father. I'm taking her. When you already knew that that, was, that wasn't the case. Right. Like she, if anything, she's coming to my house. Right. And it's like. She didn't been at my house. For real. <laughs> and they didn't plan for their relationship to be busted up, but it happened. And she can't deny that a big chunk of this is on her. But that doesn't have anything to do with her commitment to her daughter and her love for her daughter. Right. And I think she lets Melanie handle it because Melanie has clearly got it. And also she's in a tricky spot. Like you were saying, she really doesn't have any rights. Biologically, this baby is Melanie's and And Michael's. Michael's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is what they get for tearing up that paper. And this is what they get for just not letting Brian be the daddy of both kids. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's what I said. Yeah, that Brian should have been the daddy of both kids. Mm-mm. Melanie wanted somebody she was close to, and well, mm-hmm. good, but you weren't that close, baby. <laughs> not no keep more. your enemy, your friends close, but your enemies closer. <laughs> yeah, Shit, baby, you should have pushed his ass away. Yeah, I knew the minute they tore that paper up, there was gonna be some bull. I just knew it. I mean, yeah. it was just ridiculous. I mean, Michael has some nerves coming in here. You don't even have the house yet. Right. Okay, like, mm. hey, boy, get out of here. Like, yeah. Ben was on your ass a couple episodes ago, okay? <laughs> a, season or so, a season or two ago yeah. when he was a juice pig. Get out of here. <laughs> right. All right, yeah. better home with me and Ben. Boy. Yeah. 
Don't get me started on Michael because I don't want I, y'all coming from my head. I don't well, want y'all coming from my gonna head. going to come from mine a little bit because uh, <laughs> my notes are just 40 pages of ranting. Yes. So they're going to get me in a minute. Yeah. We see Emmett with his clients, uh, the very demanding bride and groom. The bride is changing every single thing that they have already agreed on. She challenges everything Emmett says. And this is why my career as an event planner lasted for like three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, you know what? It seems like you know what you want. So how about you just do it? (laughs) Exactly. I'll just be here in attendance. Yeah. (laughs) I mean. I'm going to see what your final words look like. (laughs) Yeah. Lila is team too much all by herself. But her fiance loves her. And he wants her to have the wedding of her dreams for the third time. I would (laughs) have tripped her into the moat water. (laughs) Yeah. Or her fiance is also impressed that Emmett is able to put up with all of her craziness. And Emmett says it's one of the reasons we queer people are around to help you poor straight people straighten up. And uh, I'm sensing a queer eye for the straight guy reference yeah. with that because this show would have been on the air by this point. Yes, yes. Yeah. We see Justin saying goodbye to Brett Keller. Brett Keller is off to the next movie, which is currently filming in Australia. The other director is out, and now Brett is in. Justin has been saying it, Brett's. But now with Brett leaving, he's going to use that time to have some work done mm-hmm. on his house, on his place. And so he's like, oh, but Justin, you can stay a few days while you line something else right. up. And Brett tells him that he hasn't lost his passion for rage. His people are going to shop it around and see if they can get any bites on it. And maybe he's going to do that. But he's full steam ahead on this other project that he's doing. Yeah, he moved on quick. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it may not necessarily be because he doesn't care about rage. I think he, he genuinely did. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> he understands the nature of this particular beast. Like yeah. you go where... Where the action is. Mm-hmm. Like, wherever it's happening, that's where you got to be. And he... And maybe... Uh, I'm sorry, not to, not to interrupt. Go I'm ahead. sorry. But maybe rage may be too much for the American audience, but maybe it won't be too much for the Australian, European audience, and you know, or the Asian audience. You never know. Mm-hmm. So it may not be on the, the Hollywood big screen, but hell, he might be in France or somewhere putting it on. You know, you never know. <laughs> yeah. They do things a little differently. Yeah. The movie business is finicky and he has to be able to move on to the next thing. And that's just kind of what it is. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's personal. It's just like, look, this is. Yeah, it, the it is what it is. Yeah. Like, And whether he means it or not, I do appreciate him trying to at least bolster Justin's mood. And give him hope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, my poor little sunshine baby has had so much disappointment in his life. And I, know. I just want all the good things to happen for him. Well, at <laughs> least he had it early on, though. Like, that's true. So, so he, yes, up. he had a horrible couple years. Yes. So the rest of life should be like, yeah, perfect. Smooth yep. sailing. He experienced it all. The bad in the very beginning from 17 yeah. to 20. <laughs> yeah. The rest of his life, he'll be 100. That's right. We see Ben and Michael at home packing up. Does seeing all those boxes trigger your PTSD from Girl, your last move? Absolutely. You know, it took us three months to move. <laughs> yeah. Three months. Yeah. I was like, oh, hell no. Like, I don't even want to talk about moving or buying <laughs> nothing. Ever. But I thought you were going to help me move. Baby girl, <laughs> I love you. That going to be the end of our friendship? Yeah, it may be the end. <laughs> I'll tell you where to put some stuff, but I'm not lifting. I don't want to see a storage. I don't want to hear about a storage. I don't want to hear about a box. I don't nothing. Yeah. I don't blame you. That's Ever. me. I'm just going to move with nothing yeah. and just like start buy over. it all. Yeah, start completely over. Yep. New year, I'm new me. me. Yeah. Okay. I bring me. Okay, yeah. that's it. Michael is telling Ben that he can't believe the way Melanie talked to him. And I just want to point out, Michael was the one yelling in that scene. Yep. But anyway, uh, am I crazy um, or was he the one doing too much? He was doing the like most. Melanie got defensive, but you're coming here trying to demand things about my child. And yes, y'all are all sharing this child in some way, but I think it was very understandable that she 
was going on Mama Bear when he tried to take her I was just about to say that. No one comes in and attacks the mother, Mm -hmm. period. I mean, they're going to automatically be defensive when you're talking about removing the child from the mother. What is wrong with you? I mean, you're 30 and Debbie won't even let you. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Stop playing with me, boy. I will be defensive as well. So you can't come in somebody you're going to remove the baby. The baby is still on the titty. Like, right. stop playing with me. She is still <laughs> breastfeeding. Uh-huh. And you're talking about taking the baby overnight? No, you're not doing that at all, yeah. period. Ben, loving partner that he is, is only listening to Michael's version of this story. And he says, but you're the father. Like, I can't uh, believe they would not give you your, your due rights or whatever. Several seats. Take them. Yes. Please. Michael says, yes, but he is not the parent. Well, being calls BS on that. And he believes that Michael is every bit as much a parent as she is. He is not there every night when the no, baby's crying he's through the not. night. He's not there during the day when, when Lindsay's holding the baby. Right. You know, like, where are you coming up with little gifts and shit? Boy, <laughs> get your ass on. Right. And she got all Gus stuffed animals, I'm sure. Yes. Like, she good on the stuffed animal got game. Him. Okay. Got it. Like, we good on that. Bottles and everything. Yeah. Okay, Michael him. says, you should have seen her with all her yelling. She woke up the baby. And he was still provoking her, even yeah. if she was getting upset. And true, she was getting upset, but he was kind of provoking her. And the conversation was never good from the start. You started right. out with my marital problems, and then you move into, exactly. I'm taking the baby. Like, you just went yeah. with a left hook and a right hook. That part, baby, okay. I don't like combinations now. I'm like, yeah. only combo I want, you know what I'm saying, is off a menu something. <laughs> right. Like, uh-uh. I'm just like, he. maybe he should have brought it down a few clicks when he saw that she was getting defensive about this. Like, hey. We already said she had a rough night because the baby is sick. She's yep. worried about the baby. She's tired. This is probably not the time for that kind of mm-hmm. conversation. But I just don't think he thinks like that. No, he doesn't. And it's always me, 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 me. <laughs> yeah. And a cry, whiny voice. Yeah, Lindsay was trying to bring it down. Mm-hmm. But again, she was in just an awkward spot in that in that conversation. And her and Melanie got their own issues yeah. going on. Yeah. But Michael is not done. He says with all their carrying on, he knows that he and Ben can provide a more stable home than the girls can. I don't like that at all. No, my thoughts are, who the insert cuss word do you think you are? That part. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I was like, they have, this whole marriage thing that went to their heads. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You were talking about Hunter earlier. Okay. And we love Hunter, and he's come a long way on his own. But Hunter was in shambles after Vic shambles. died. While Ben was over there up in Anthony's business, oh. and Michael was selling Justin's secret to Brian yes. about the whole cancer thing. And, you know, in exchange for some Chinese takeout. That part. And <laughs> neither one of them thought about the fact that Hunter might have been having a hard time with that situation. And if it weren't for Hunter acting out... How long would it have been before Ben even noticed that? Exactly. And so I'm not saying that makes you a horrible person, but you ain't a perfect parent either Thank is all you. I'm trying to say. You're new to this. And also, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. Yeah. You know, like, th- you're going to make mistakes along the way. And you can see that Gus, they did all right with Gus. Yeah. I, I have no problem. I have no fear with them taking care of JR. Like, I mean, that baby's going to be loved. It's going to be in a great family. Yeah. Yes, the home is split right now, but they're doing what it takes to make this work. And they're not moving the baby around. Right. They're moving themselves, themselves around. Themselves, yeah. yeah. And I'm not trying to fillet Ben and Michael, at least not right now, but I'm just saying. Fillet their asses, girl. Yeah, you, you've not, again, you've not perfected it, okay? And Hunter was darn near an adult when he came to you. Yeah. He really kind of, he can wipe his own butt and he slept through the night. Okay, so yeah, what were you really, 16, okay. Yeah, what were you really having to do? Yeah, that part, nothing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yes, y'all have been y'all great. Y'all even know when he was having sex. I know. Well, and like, not. yes, y'all have been great for him by providing a stable home for him, but he already, he did a lot of work on his own. And that is way different from raising a newborn. Yes. Okay? You don't know if you're prepared for that. 
Plus, if you are packing up your current house, how is that stable for the baby? And if you take her to the new house, you're renovating. Hey, so girl, there's sawdust everywhere, paint fumes everywhere. So Raid. Because you know they got roaches <laughs> in that house. Like, oh, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's roach a roach hotel. fest. Yeah. I, for real. Joe's apartment, okay? Like, I'm not even bullshitting. Like, yeah. that was some nasty shit. So it's like, you're not even thinking about that. You're not, you know, this is all about just... Well, we'll we'll get into it. But he is just like, <laughs> I feel like going off half cocks about something yeah. that they really not thought through. He's just on a high horse right yeah, now. Yeah, and Michael can be reasonable. He can be considerate. He can be compassionate at times. But this is not one of those times, nah. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just thinking you are about to let Eli and Monty persuade you to write a check that you behind can't cash. cash. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ben does caution against overstepping. Everyone. Yeah, and Michael him. says, everyone keeps telling me that. <laughs> yeah. But he says that he'll be calm and he'll be rational, but there's no way he's giving up his kid. And I'm looking around like, girl, where did they ask you to give up your kid? I know. Because like, I miss that. I miss that, Is that too. in the extra? I was about to flip through the claws. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get through the, the writer's notes. Yeah, like, that wasn't on. Maybe it's on the DVD because we streamed this yeah, episode. Yeah, that part. So. Okay, yeah, we, we missed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because I did not see that. In Michael's defense, maybe he is thinking about situations that may come up later down the line, and he's already anticipating not being included in these decisions, like, will she be raised Jewish or Catholic or whatever? But I don't think that's where his mind is going. Everything was fine until he found out they weren't together anymore. He never said anything about custody until he found out they weren't together anymore. And until he decided to start trying to keep up with the Joneses over in Separateville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but okay. before that, there were no issues. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's about that. It's definitely not about that. It's mm-hmm. him throwing his weight around. He knows he has his rights. So he wa- he knows that he's the parental, I mean, the biological father. So he does have those rights because he went through that with Brian. Mm-hmm. So um, it's him throwing his weight around. It's him want to be the it guy with his new friends. And it's, it's, not, it's not happening. Yeah. Not happening at yeah. all. Well, then it is opening night at Babylon. Ted is barking out orders, and Ted does understand operations. Remember when he had his own business, mm-hmm. like he brought that up from just Emmett yeah. to like a whole production thing. So Ted knows business. Mm-hmm. And I think Brian remembers that. Yeah, <laughs> he absolutely. Knows that. I mean, he was thriving. He was doing his thing. Yeah. Ted understands all the liabilities. He understands the coins. And of course, Brian has him running point on this project because it's like best man for the job. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love seeing um, Ted with more responsibility me too. And, and vibing with Brian. Like mm-hmm. he's on, he's on a, he was, cause he, to me, he was always on a Brian level. He's, he just didn't have the confidence to yeah. match. Mm-hmm. You had the smarts. You could run in those same circles because you're handling these high accounts and things yeah. just like Brian was. He just didn't have the confidence to bring with right. it. So Brian gave him that extra little, hey, come under my wing. I need you. Mm-hmm. And when and they helped they helped each other. Yeah. I mean, because, he's just as capable in his industry. Like, yeah. He is super smart in his industry and he's able to, transfer those skills. I mean, he's doing it here at Babylon. He even mm-hmm. did it at the restaurant. Yeah. Like, he can transfer his skills and that that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Emmett comes in to wish them luck and Brian comes through looking gorgeous and all black and he is so giddy about yes. his new toy. Uh, Alonzo, the new club manager, gets everyone in place and Brian cues the music and Babylon is officially back in business. 
Brian walks over to greet the line of guests at the door, only there is no line, and about five guys walk in. (laughs) Shabby looking ones, too. Yes, Uh, Brian is angry and Ted is panicking because he's just thinking coins, you know. Yeah, like he can see them dwindling all out. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, they got staff there tonight, so it's like, yeah. It's like that when you're playing Mario Brothers and one of those turtles hit you and you lose all the coins or Sonic the Hedgehog and you lose all the coins. That's where Babylon is right now. Yeah, it is bleeding coins. Okay. Yeah. Emmett tells Ted that it's shorts and shots night at Popper, so everyone is there. And in fact, he thinks he'll go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Emmett ain't about to waste a good outfit yeah. and a good hair day. These hoes ain't loyal. They not. <laughs> Emmett like, uh-uh, I'm going with the boys. Out. Yeah. Someone else is not going to let the night get away from them, and that is Justin. He's out for a night on the town in L.A. He runs into Connor, and Connor um, has met another Justin. He, uh... Seems there's no shortage of hot, young blondes in Hollywood. Imagine Mm -hmm. that. Justin looks good in this scene, I think. He will always look young, but he's not giving me twink vibes. And I like he's giving mature. Yeah, I like Like, to see that his wardrobe kind of ages and matures and changes with him. And yeah, and then he's holding a martini, not a beer or a Mm -hmm. little cocktail. Mm -hmm. And he just feels real confident. Like he doesn't know these people, but the way he mingles through the crowd. Yeah, he's got like a nice button button down, not some little like Tank toppy, yeah, flashy-looking thing. He's not giving youngster, you know, yeah. youngin. Uh, he's he's giving his age, but mature and mm-hmm. professional. And I like can I grind, too. Here. Yeah, I belong. Like, yeah. I can get out here and grind, too. Yeah. Connor is sorry to hear about rage. He swears there's not an ounce of artistic integrity left in that town. But that's not going to stop him from honoring his three-picture deal. <laughs> There's personal feelings, and then there's just, like, professional reality. Yeah, it's like, mm, yeah, this is what it is. That's your livelihood. Can yeah. you go back and be a waiter after doing all these movies? <laughs> no, you need them coins to keep coming. Right. Okay? And so, yeah, for some people, they can see that it's two totally separate things. My personal stance on it is this, but at the end of the day, this is my job. Yeah, so. it's my job. I yeah. do it. Justin tells him that Brett left for Australia, but his people are still shopping Rage around. Connor gives him some big brother insider advice, and he says, in this business, if it's dead, it stays dead, mm-hmm. no matter what he told you. It may not always be true, but that is generally how it goes. True, and I'm, I'm glad that, I mean, he's putting him onto the game, because yeah. Justin is real hopeful. He oh, is. Yeah, he's super hopeful, but I'm glad He's Connor, a naturally optimistic person. Yes, but I'm glad Connor told him, like, hey, this is the reality. It could happen, but a lot of times, if it's gone, it's gone. It is what it is. So it puts Justin in, in the right mind frame of what he really should be doing or what his next or planning for his next move. Yeah, I think Justin needed to hear that because what you're saying, like he did go into this very hopeful and very bright eyed. And when it comes to things that he believes in, I can see him losing a lot of energy, continuing to hope for that project. Yeah, because he's never going to give up. Right. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. not in Justin. He doesn't give up. He finds ways like if you put up a brick wall, oh, he's going to find the detour around that wall and yeah. he's going to come into the back door on you. Right. And this is all new to Justin, and he and Brett seem to have become legit friends. He trusted Brett when Brett told him that he was going to still be shopping that around. And again, even if Brett meant, I do, meant I do believe him it, when he said that he would try. Right. I think it's something that he'll always keep as like if an opportunity presents yes, itself, but he's he'll not slip it be, in there. Yeah. But he ain't going to go out of his way. No, he's not to, because yeah. he don't want to probably mess up any. If I think if you keep pushing that narrative, mm-hmm. it's going to put him in a in a list where he doesn't want to be. As yeah. in, like, oh, he may be difficult to work with. Oh, he keeps trying to push this narrative. Um, he's the old director, out with the old, in with the new. Right. It's like the other director got cut and Brett filled right on in. Mm-hmm. It could easily That'll be That'll happen next. to him. Yeah. So he knows that. He has yeah. to play that game. Yeah, but and I think he knew that it was probably near impossible, just definitely at that time. And so he kind of gave this false hope. 
And it is better for Justin to have that bubble busted early on, right. I think. So his night out didn't go so great. I know. Yeah. But neither did Brian's. And he's at the diner with a muffin. And Brian doesn't eat carbs after seven. So <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> Poor thing. I know. And he's there by himself. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yes, yeah, so he was also very let down. Opening night at Babylon was not the place to be. It's kind of interesting to see him in this situation. Like he did a great campaign and we only got to see a little piece of it with the guys at the diner. But this is Brian and Kinetic. So, you know, yeah. I mean, he was probably thinking on the one hand, we don't have to do that much because of course they're going to come back. Yeah. yeah. But I'm sure what he did, he went the extra mile in what he did, what he did put out there. But I also think Brian counted on everyone just doing what they've always done. Just come to Babylon. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't consider that people would move on to the next thing. Right. I mean, like Debbie said in that scene with him, she said, Poppers is like, it's older than that. Yeah. Like, who's going there? You're <laughs> right. Like, you know, yeah. Like, what, is, what is going on? So, yeah, in Brian's eyes, if I just open these doors back up, it's going to come through. Yeah. It's going to be a cash cow. If I well, build it, they yeah, will come. If I build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make all the money back, and I'm still going to have all the fun and own the fun. So Yeah. Yeah. Debbie comes over with a pot of coffee, and she notices that Brian looks like he gave an orgy and nobody came. Ah. Double entendre there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it. And he tells her that only 12 people showed up. That's awful. And Terrible. that cost him $8,000. Ridiculous. Yeah. I get heart palpitations thinking about losing that kind of money in one night. One night. And then he said it was going to continue the next night yeah. and the next and night. And they'd already lost some from the time he bought it until now. Yeah. Yeah. A few guys walk in, and they are still hyped from their night out. They were at Popper's, and um, yeah, that's not what he wants to hear. Debbie tells him that gay men are fickle, and it's a simple thing, but I think that is the truth of it. For all his knowledge and analytics in marketing and campaigning, sometimes there's just no predicting which way the wind will blow. Mm -hmm. I like that Brian is able to be vulnerable with Debbie and, and tell her this, because, I mean, everybody would have seen it and probably heard of it, But he goes and volunteers this information because he definitely could have gone to the loft and just like drank himself into a super. Absolutely. (laughs) But he went to the diner probably knowing Debbie would be would be there. And he's, you know, again, that's like a mother figure to him. Right. And um, they don't always agree. But he knows that she's going to get his mind where it needs to be. She's going to be sarcastic with him. And he can tell her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Yeah. He can be honest with her or as honest as Brian can be mm-hmm. to her, you know, but she can read through all the bullshit. Yeah. So she knew exactly what he's getting to. And then she was going to give him the bullshit as well because Debbie's got those games. <laughs> right. And uh, But she knows how to get him where he needs to be. We see Melanie at home with the baby and Gus. Lindsay comes rushing in to provide some relief. And Gus actually gets some dialogue. In this I know. Thing. Yeah. He did have fun with Mama Melanie, and he doesn't want to leave. Poor thing. I know. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Yeah. Well, Lindsay notices that Mel looks exhausted because she's still having these long nights with JR. And Lindsay offers to take her, but Melanie says she doesn't need any help. And I think she's just kind of like closing ranks around herself. Right. Um, Melanie is, even though she's kind of the only one in her ranks, but still. Um Really, the baby is the only part of her family that she has left with her 24-7 because Lindsay's not there, Gus is not there. And so really, JR is kind of her her family, and that's kind of it. So I can see why she's being so mm, kind of difficult about about this. Lindsay wishes that there was a way that they could get along. and But I think that's just kind of where they are right now. Like, they are separated, and now everyone knows. So now they need to figure out how to be cordial around each other. And I get Melanie being hurt. I get that this is all relatively fresh, but 
Melanie girl, it's time to make like Pay Bell and get a new attitude. Yeah, that part. Like, I mean, get it together. <laughs> but my thing is also, uh, let me backtrack. Why can't Gus stay and help? I know, at least or at least stay for a night. I mean, yeah. I guess I don't know why they have to draw such hard know, lines yeah. with who's saying where. Gus is five now. Gus, go take this bottle. Yeah. Put, put this bottle in the microwave <laughs> for a minute. Okay. Yeah. Like, put it on there for one. One. Zero, zero, start. Okay, hit that minute. Okay, bring it to me. Okay? Yeah. For real. Gus, go take this hot towel and warm this up. Yeah, go put this diaper yes. in the diaper genie. Th- that like, part, yeah. Gus like, can do some things. I mean, yeah. make him do something. Like, yeah. Well, it's going to be a little hard for her to get a new attitude because Lindsay brought the mail in with her. And included in that is a notice that Michael has hired an attorney to defend his parental rights. Girl, I, when I heard that, I was like, I know you lying. Yeah. Mike was doing <laughs> you, the most. Like, yeah. I know. You, you earlier lied. on, you were like, if he takes them to court, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, for and real. <laughs> and then he, he does. Like, I mean, this boy is doing the most. Oh, yeah. Okay, we the got a most. lot to get into. That's too much. Uh, so then we see Michael and Ben moving Carl's favorite chair in over at Debbie's. Um, my bad, Debbie and Carl's. Yeah. <laughs> Michael is telling Debbie about this lawyer, Bobby Bennett. She's a tough gay lawyer who defended an adoption case all the way up to the Supreme Court and, and won. And you know that's going to make Melanie go crazy. Absolutely. Because she didn't get the chance to take her case I know. <laughs> because that baby. No. Girl. Yeah. She said that as JR's biological father, he has rights and he should fight for them. And I just feel like that's a little bit extreme. Like, they weren't saying that he couldn't come and visit the baby. They weren't even really saying the baby couldn't go stay with him, just that there was not going to be a custody arrangement. Melanie and Lindsay have custody, but I'm sure Jr. could go visit. Yeah, I mean, know? he didn't even get like it was. Fre- that conversation was fresh. Mm-hmm. I mean, just I may tell you no right. in a second, and then think about. Give me thirty minutes. I come back. Okay, you know what I right. thought about it. He didn't even give nobody time to sleep on. Night- it. Yeah, let me get a yeah. full night's sleep. Is what I was about yeah. to say. Melanie has not had that yet. No, let me get a full night's sleep, and then we can revisit this. I mean, I, this sounds like being all over it. <laughs> like. <laughs> You know, we'll just get a lawyer. A lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, we'll just hire someone. I mean, uh, you have rights, Michael. Yeah, it's so I mean, good, yeah. Oh, no, Michael isn't smart enough to get no lawyer that quick. <laughs> I mean, not at all. And weren't they the ones who, didn't they help him with the whole, um, this is what I'm talking about, some shady shit. Yeah. He, they defended him for free. For Hunter. For to Hunter. get them to be able to have custody that, of Hunter. And then you want to do this right here to me. Girl, I forgot about that. That is crazy. Mm. I mean, diners, if y'all want to, please drop us an email or a comment to let us know what we're missing here. Because maybe we just missing some angle of this. No spoilers in those comments, though. Absolutely. Uh, but maybe we're missing some. But I don't think I am. No, I don't think I'm missing nothing. Yeah. Neither are you. <laughs> yeah. Debbie is glad to see Michael standing up for himself. But, like, tell me this. What right was he denied? Let me correct that. Based on their understanding... The one that they have been operating under pretty much since she got pregnant and definitely after the baby was born. What right is he being denied? He hasn't been denied anything. But um, come on, bro. This is a newborn. You do not take the newborn out the I house. I know. She's still nursing. Yeah, she's yeah, nursing. And you sprung that on them and you demanded it right then. I mean, no, you didn't. I mean, again, it was a first conversation. You're never going to get the best answer saying you're going to take the baby from me yeah. off the rip. It just never, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Give me a time to process what's going yeah. on. Let's come up with some terms for all of us to work with. But right. did he give them time for no. that? No, he didn't. And true, Melanie at that moment said, no, we're not doing that. But again, you just sprung that on her. After breaking and up their problems. Exactly. 
really when her and Lindsay are still trying to figure out their arrangement, and that's just two parents. And yeah. they were trying to throw a third one in here. And so it's like, dude. It's like some double Dutch type <laughs> shit. Like one yeah. jump in, one jump out. Like a little. Yeah. Even if they should have considered a custody arrangement that included his house, again, you sprung it on him too early, and that was never in the cars. And you can you can keep telling me neither was the separation, but what separation is? Exactly. <laughs> you know? Which one do you plan oh, we for? We plan this. Yeah. Okay. okay, so she's going to have the baby here, and then just in case we're divorced, here's plan B. And exactly. So here's how, here's how that's going to work. Yeah. My thing is just like, how about instead of that, you walk through your concerns about the child's safety? Yeah, please. How about instead of just demanding all these things? Okay, here's what I'm concerned about. How are y'all addressing this? Are you thinking about how this might affect her? Girl, he Talk is not smart that. enough. He didn't have any concerns. <laughs> his concerns are he just want to take the baby. Yeah, I, you know what? I his say, concerns you know what? are I want a stroller like Eli and Monty yes, have a stroller. That part. And you I would have been like, you know what? She cried. She's sick. You know what? She's sick. And I'm tired. <laughs> take her ass right now, daddy. Yeah. Take her now. Whichever one of y'all going to breastfeed her. That part. You let me know. And I'm not pumping a damn thing. Yeah, she okay? don't use bottles. Yeah, so. she does. No, no. Similac, what? <laughs> yeah. Boy. So, yeah. But like you said, he doesn't have any concerns. The only argument he keeps making is that you are not a couple anymore. It's not a two-parent home anymore. That's the only argument he keeps making. He didn't even grow up in a fucking two-parent home. He don't even know who his daddy is. <laughs> that ain't okay. even your real ass name. Yeah, like, stop playing. Your mama fed you. That was a, a story she saw in the newspaper. <laughs> yeah. All right, stop playing. She over here committing social security fraud. <laughs> that part. Yeah, for real. Shit. You ain't yeah. even in a Vatney. Stop right. playing. What? Yeah. And also, Michael has expressed no concern for Gus, who is living in the same circumstances and is old enough to actually hear and probably remember mm-hmm. what is going on. If JR is being harmed by that co-parenting situation, then Gus definitely will be being harmed mm-hmm. by that, right? And so not ever once does Michael go to Brian and say, hey, you need to rescue your son. He's living in unsafe conditions. Mm-hmm. So that's how I know it ain't got nothing to do with that because that's, that's not at all what it's about. And now you and I always make allowances for the fact that some conversations happen off screen. Right. But this is an important issue. Mm-hmm. And if they wanted it to be clear that it was about the the safety and well-being of it the children. It would have been addressed. We would have seen that yeah. on screen. Yeah. So that's how I just know. No, that's not that's not what it's about. When he did talk to Brian, he was upset that they the girls lied about being together and that Brian didn't tell him. Right. There was no I'm worried about our children. Exactly. None of that. That just came, all that shit happened with Michael after the fact they left Eli Mont. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he wanted to be in the neighborhood. Because he was even fine with them still staying yeah. there. Because he didn't want to be in the neighborhood. Yeah. I mean I mean once he decided, yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Then then it, it all it all came together. Yeah. So I'm like, like, this is Michael being self-righteous. Now, please hear me. I absolutely believe he loves his daughter. I do. He does. But I just don't think that's the primary concern here. That is not the right move. A lot of people can love something, mm-hmm. but it may not be the best move for the child. Right. That's not you it. Know, and Michael does this kind of stuff. This isn't totally coming out of nowhere. Because when he makes a decision or a change, he goes extreme trying mm-hmm. to be whatever he thinks the perfect example of that is. He would should all over everybody. Like, you should do this and you shouldn't do that. Like, that's just kind of... What he does, like he is all about telling someone what they should or shouldn't do. He did this when he was with Dr. David Cameron, remember? Sure, David had his own issues, but Michael was the one acting a fool at that dinner party, at that fundraiser thing. And he didn't want to invite the gang because he felt like this new crowd was so much more high society. He didn't want to be embarrassed. Then the little miscreants from, yeah, the strip. And they do know how to act. (laughs) But because you came for them by insulting them. They showed you what was up. Exactly. 
And even when they went on that trip to Paris and he came back showing that little slideshow, like he's being all pretentious and with his red wine, like you were just drinking Pepsi out of a <laughs> sippy straw. <laughs> For real. And holding your fork like some prisoner. You yeah. Know what I'm saying? Stop so, yeah. And I also feel like he's misrepresenting this situation to everyone else. He told Ben and Debbie his side of the story. Well, she was yelling and she was being, you know, nonsensical. But you're not saying how you kind of attacked them out of nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> and so, of course, they're taking his side. That's his husband and his mom. Right. But, yeah, I think before he got a lawyer, he should have gone to his friends again. Yes. And just been like, maybe now's not the time for the conversation. Let's but revisit we, this. Let's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's make a plan to revisit this. Just I mean, it, know it, it that did. I'm going to be concerned about this. So at some point I would like to talk about it. That would be the adult thing to do, yeah. especially if you're friends. Mm-hmm. You know, you would you should give them that that, that courtesy. Mm-hmm. But what you did, I mean, to me, that's a line that's crossed that we can never recover from. Exactly. I mean, you ain't got a lawyer on me. Yeah. Like we, we, we won't recover like, from yeah. that. Mm-mm. We won't. Mm-mm. And I mean, I will try. You think Lindsay got a bad... <laughs> okay, baby. Yeah. You yeah. came from a baby now. Like For that real. was just some cooch. Now you you didn't play trying to take snatch my baby from me? For okay. Real. No, maybe we got some issues. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. That's no, no, a, no. yeah. Mm-mm. And I hear you guys saying he already told them his concerns, but no, he yelled at them like they were children after finding out they were not together. Like, how dare you yeah. break up, you know? <laughs> and he suggested they never should have had the baby in the first place. Yeah. When something happened that they could not have predicted, who mm-hmm. among us predicted that Lindsay was going to have this little thing with Sam? I would have never. I mean, well, to well be after honest, we saw, yeah, after mean, we saw the yes. direction it was going, going yeah. yeah. But in, the beginning, but I would have never in guessed. season two, we yeah, have never. I would have never guessed. Yeah, and now he is inserting himself into a situation that is already hard on both of these women. Yeah, and for what? It's, That's like the whole episode. I just kept saying, and for what? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Lindsay, Mel, get a baby up. I mean, Ben goes to work. Especially while she colicky. Yeah, yeah for real. Over there right she, now. Yeah, that part. Because he got it from you. Let Debbie tell it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. she got it from your ass. Yeah. So, um, um, Ben works early, okay? All right. those lectures and shit that he got to prepare. Yeah. Let's see what. Oh, yeah, what, he, can't be out, he can't be out late at night getting um, a drink at Woody's because he got to get home and do yes. his, prepare for his so, lecture. So, I mean, while you And you got to work at Red Cape, but you going to have a screaming baby at Red Cape with yeah, a bunch so, of teenagers. And y'all are not, y'all are not rich. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> that little 10 grand, you spent that already yeah. on a computer and some old shit. You know what I'm saying? It's gone. Some uh, diesel jeans yeah, for Yeah, exactly. That shit gone. <laughs> you want to be Billy Badass? My mom will say, you want to be Billy Badass? Here. Go yeah. ahead. I would have passed the bait right on up. Uh, Gus, go get the diaper bag. <laughs> Leave all the bottles and pampers that I bought. <laughs> For real. Leave put all. them stuffed animals yes. in it. And that, one, that, yeah. that one that's talking, put that hole in there because that's annoying. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead and drop that in there. We don't want to hear that in the night. Yeah. <laughs> they are still at Debbie's house. And Michael says that he is not going to let his daughter be raised by a couple of single mothers. Being as when there's a stable home for her with two fathers. Now Debbie can see what's going on. Single mothers. Oh, you mean like me? And Michael says, I wasn't talking about you. I wasn't even thinking about you. Well, what else is new? Ah. (laughs) But Debbie tells him that she was a single mother. And even without a father, Michael somehow survived. And she tells Ben and Michael that they think because there are two of them, they are better equipped to raise a kid. But she has some words for these two experts. (laughs) Not everyone is fortunate enough to have a partner and enough money to stay home and raise a kid. Then um, she schools him on exactly what it takes to be a single mother yep. or a single parent in general, whether you're a single father or a single or mother. mother. Yeah. And she says, we had no choice. We made whatever sacrifice we could for our kids' happiness. 
And if you think you two can do better, then all I have to say is good for you. Yeah. And I about cried during the scene because she I, damn near cried in this yeah, scene. Yeah. Well, I've seen firsthand the, the struggles of single parenthood, and I have nothing but love and respect for good single parents. I will say that I come from a single parent. Yeah. Like my father passed when I was young. Mm-hmm. My mom did whatever she had. Yeah. You know what I'm saying for Same. us. My parents are divorced, but yeah. I still saw her. Yeah. do whatever busting ass and making yeah. sure it was good we never we we always came to school we always had supplies we ate every mm-hmm. night as a family um, and it's just it just makes me so mad to hear him saying that when I know the struggle yeah, of a single parent absolutely <laughs> like, like I know the struggle the sacrifices that are made yeah but all the love that comes from that shit you know mm-hmm. and all the lessons right I mean like lord I think that's why this storyline this story arc right here just kind of rubbed me it the wrong way it is getting me I, yeah, am, I mean surely kinda, y'all can tell because every time this comes up, we just go off for 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as I digress, go ahead. <laughs> yes, but Michael and Ben do not win any points with me on this whole nah. situation. And I'm glad that Debbie checks him, but I'm like, Debbie, you know Melanie and Lindsay, and you know your son. I'm really surprised she didn't do more investigating even before this to right. see what was really going on. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, she got them together real quick. She did. I, I thought she put, like, a good seed. She planted a good seed in their mind to let them see there's two sides to this. Okay, I'm a single mother, so what you're trying to say? Yeah. I mean, you came out just right. I yeah. mean, kind of, if we talk about Michael. But you came, <laughs> yeah. you, you, yeah. you came out. You and know? true, there are things that are different when you have a two-parent household, but that doesn't make it better necessarily because, like Debbie said, that's just not the situation for everybody. I mean, look at Brian. He had a two-parent household. I know. it, And Lord, they yes. about ruined that man. We know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Look at Lindsay. She yeah. had a two-parent household. Good gosh. Yeah. yeah. So don't do that, Michael. Mm-mm. Do not do that. We see Teddy getting his hair did, and his stylist tells him that the face is getting thicker and the hair is getting thinner. Ooh, <laughs> so, looking thicker than a yeah, snicker. For the most part, there are two types of gay men in a salon. The ones who flatter you and make you feel like a movie star. And, and the, the ones catty ones who are straight yeah, your ass. Yeah, they are way too honest okay. and make you feel like the bottom of a shoe or something. Like, <laughs> But when you come out of there, you better be looking like 10 mil. Okay? Yeah. There is an older gay guy there who is completely great. And he tells Ted that age is the last trick any of them pick up. And after it's had its way with you, it doesn't leave. So Ted should just accept it, then die or move to Palm Springs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, His stylist says, so what should we do with the hair then? Same old, same old. And that's the worst (laughs) thing you could tell him. Yeah, Ted is not even 40, but we all know that ageism is a huge thing in the gay community and definitely was back then. Ted is the oldest of their core group. Then Melanie, Michael, Lindsay, and Brian, Emmett, and then Justin. Or Lindsay could be older than Michael, but she's like right there, same age. How do you determine these ages? Because I saw it in the script for (laughs) them. I would say Ben is probably just like a couple years older than Ted. So so he is actually the oldest. oldest. He's supposed to be like mid-30s in season two, and Ted is 32 in season one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How old is Jennifer, Ken? I mean, I know Jennifer was, she was yeah, 36 she, was, she was supposed to be 36, 38 type. <laughs> but Jennifer, like, baby, well, you know, I will say, I think it's the clothing and the hair. Yeah, it's not because she looks yeah, old. No, she it's the clothing it, and the yeah. hair that kind of just ages you because, I mean, I don't know any 36-year-old looking that mature. I mean, and she, Debbie's, like, barely 50. Right. Yeah. yeah like, mm-hmm. I mean, and to be honest, like, I mean, they they aged Debbie. Yeah. They made her grandmother status. Like, you know, like, <laughs> granny, the way she, her hair, the way she dresses and shit. They gave her granny status. Yeah. But they didn't have to, because to be honest, Sharon, 
is a beautiful woman. Like she oh, yeah. is a gorgeous woman to me. Like yeah. something about her. Like and every time she goes like the scene when she was reading Michael and being down for Phil, when her eyes watered, I was like, this motherfucker is an actress. Like baby, she is Dame Sharon Glass is uh, amazing. Yo. And you know, we praise Brian a lot and, yeah. some, and even like Scott Lowell and Peter Page, we praise a lot of We don't we don't give Sharon her flowers enough. And we gonna give them to her yeah. today because she was killing she, it. I mean, she, that every little scene. scene she's killing it. She is selling this character. Like Sharon Glass is not Debbie, but she sells the crap out yes. of this character. I'm you know something you, I wanted to say. I wasn't. I, I wasn't planning on bringing it up, but I'll say it quickly. So in this episode, and they even had in one season where she was like actively trying to lose weight. So in her personal life, I've read and listened to her memoir. It is right. so good. I'm going to play you some clips Please. from it. But she was talking about how she she was doing misery in London. Mm. She the show she was doing it on on stage and I love oh, misery wow. the movie. I've like the movie? It. Yeah, but it was the stage. They, they have a stage play. Yeah, and wow. she was in it. And so I'm going to show you a picture. We'll Google it. Uh, Google the picture, guys. It's really good. But anyway, she gained all this weight. And she in her book, she's talking about how she was dealing with this kind of depression and some other issues. And so it was like right up her alley to gain the weight for this role. Right. Well, that really created some issues within her and also within her marriage. Oh. And so she was actually pending divorce when she took this role to go do Queer as Folk. Wow. Yeah, so she had all this like personal life stuff going on. And I remember saying on an earlier episode, before I'd even read she the was book. from that. I, yeah, I remember saying before I even read the book and knew any of this stuff, I noticed that she had lost weight, but I made it, I said, I don't want to comment on a woman's weight because women mm-hmm. have that, that's too much mess. Yeah. You know, women have to put up with too much crap regarding their weight and their size. And so... I noticed, of course, that she's so much smaller in these seasons than she was in the beginning. Right. But now knowing what all was going on in her personal life, I'm like, knowing this backstory for her, mm-hmm. you know, I usually don't like to know about their personal lives. Right. But I have so much love and respect for Dame Sharon Glass. <laughs> for real. But anyway, so that's just something I was thinking about when I was seeing her standing there in that T-shirt because she looked so small. But I was mm-hmm. thinking about what was going on in her personal life. Right. But yeah. Despite all that going on, she is serving every episode. She is giving. Yeah. Okay. She is giving what <laughs> needs to be given. Every single time. Okay, Debbie ain't even in this scene, but we had to go off on that <laughs> that whole deal. Okay, we're drinking champagne. Let's just we're, yes. we're, we're gonna be honest. Okay, so, the bubbles are got us. The, the bubbles, the are bubbles my, that was brought to you by the bubbles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so let's just move on. Uh, then it's the wedding day, and Emmett is determined to get the bride to the altar, no matter what, even though she's trying to change everything still. <laughs> uh, Don tries to calm his bride by sharing a glass of wine with her, but they go a little too heavy with the clinks, and red wine gets all over her blouse. <laughs> but Emmett is good in a crisis. He rushes them off to the kitchen and gets to work. They're all, like, frantic, but he's like, mm, give me a minute. I got this. Yeah, he, he boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, then we see Lindsay, and she is feeling a way about the custody issue. She's at her apartment with Gus, and Brian is there, sitting on the floor playing trains with Gus. And I don't want anybody to ever tell me Brian's not a good father. That part. He's never going to be a traditional father for Gus, but he loves that boy. (laughs) I know. Yeah, and he's making good on what he said in season four, that he's going to spend more time with with his son. And we've seen him spend more time. They were yeah. all at the playpen together yeah. when it was raining, and now he's at the apartment. Yeah. And who knows how many times he comes over to the apartment. Exactly. And it's never going to be a 24-7 thing yeah. because that's not the arrangement mm-hmm. that, that they he have. He knows his Gus. role. Yeah. Unlike mm-hmm. the person he okay. won't say okay. at the But each season, he seems to get more and more comfortable with Gus. Yeah, he's at least checking in. Lindsay is saying that just because she didn't carry the baby, that doesn't mean she isn't JR's mother. 
And I can see why she's on edge about all of this because, like we said, she doesn't really have any rights to this yeah. baby on paper. Like, she's in the position that Melanie was in when before Brian signed his rights over. And in many states at that time, and still today, a child can't have three legal parents. Right. And there are some other things you can do with the law, but it cannot have three legal parents. Definitely not at that I mean, at she's that being punished, Yeah. you know, for Michael's actions when she's doing everything in her power to be there every single day. I mean, she's right. killing herself just to be there to help Mel, to help the baby, to see the baby. I mean, like everything. She really has put in the work. I feel like. I mean, we don't get to see everything from Michael, mm-hmm. so I don't really know. But what what the hell they what they are showing us? Michael ain't there like that. No, I mean, he's not. He's popping up, right? But he's not like he's not there mm-hmm. like like she is. So yeah, she's getting. He's um, standing doing on night shifts, and yeah. no, you're not. Yeah, it's just not fair. I don't. I mean, she has the right to be upset yeah. and scared and nervous. Mm-hmm. All of those feelings that she's feeling, she has the right to feel all of those because I'm right there with her. Like I don't know. It's, it's kind of like up in limbo right now. And so because they did away with those papers that would have taken Michael off and allowed Lindsay to be on as a parent. Now, Lindsay is the extra no rights having third wheel. And uh, we see Brian showing Gus how the train goes around the tracks. And it sure is fun. But after a while, it gets monotonous and predictable. And that's Mm -hmm. when you throw off the shackles of convention and relinquish control and cause senseless, tragic disaster. I he just think, shaded his mom. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> okay. a, that's definitely a dig at yes, her situation. The cheating situation. He shamed yeah, her. Yeah, okay, because shaded. what I think he means, it means is you got yourself in a predictable loop in that relationship, mm-hmm. and then you got a little crazy with Sam, that Sam situation, and it led to all now, this mess. Disaster. Yeah. And, you know, someone has got to monitor the lessons that Brian is teaching Gus. I know, for real. <laughs> they need, he needs some, like, some earmuffs, and he just hit a button, and it just boop, 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 yeah. transform onto his head, because Brian is going to... Brian is going to teach him all the wrong lessons. All the wrong lessons way too early. Even though Brian has opinions that he only kind of keeps to himself, he is listening to her when she says that she was there every step of the way. And I agree, Lindsay is JR's mother. Even though she left her baby stranded at the hospital to find her own way home. That part, okay. (laughs) Yeah. It is a non-traditional arrangement, but the understanding was in place. It's largely molded around the same arrangement that they have with Gus, except for Michael's not signing over parental rights was the difference here. Michael would be more present than Brian, but that's just because that's Michael's nature. That's his character. Mm -hmm. And that's, that was also discussed up front. Like at the beginning, Brian had no intention of being involved at all, but then saw this baby and was like, Oh my gosh, I'm immediately in love with my Mm -hmm. child. And Justin as well. Right. And Justin as well. And so these two things kind of hit him at one night and opened up his heart and his world to something that he never thought he wanted. But here we are. Do you agree that Lindsay is JR's mother? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like any of the shit that Michael's pulling right now. Yeah, it seems no, no. the only person who is disagreeing is Michael. Brian is a little surprised to hear that Michael said this, and she tells him that Michael filed a petition for shared custody and 50% physical custody. Brian says, who does he think he is, the father? <laughs> and that's kind of interesting because technically Michael does have the right to request that, but that was not the understanding yeah, that these the friends deal. had. Yeah. The agreement was he would always be a part of the baby's life, which is what we said 50 million times, but that they would be the primary parents. And Brian says what Michael said, well, the, that arrangement included you two being together. And I don't think it's necessarily Brian agreeing with Michael, right. but he's saying, but this, that, that's what the agreement was. Yeah. This is from Michael's perspective. This is kind of what he's thinking. And it's also kind of second nature for Brian to defend Michael. But I think. what, I'm still trying to, I mean, maybe just because I come from a single mother. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, What 
the hell does that have to do with anything? Okay, that's what I'm trying <laughs> like, to figure out. And so, what? yeah, I'm trying to figure that, that part out too. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy. Y'all, am I crazy? Y'all let me know. Okay, Please I mean, I come from know. a single home where my mom did everything in the in the world. I literally asked for a pony for Christmas and I got that motherfucker. Yeah. Like, I mean, for real. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. And I'm not saying this is right because it's not right, but you're going to be two gay men raising this child. And you think that baby ain't going to have no, no issues yeah, in, for real. in society? That's Again, I think that's all wrong and you should be able to... You but know, it's the truth. But it's the truth. And so you're thinking that if she comes with you, she's never going to have any issues. And I'm like, uh, dude, yeah. you forget what world we live in? I know. Definitely at that time. Let <laughs> us know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I think Brian is just explaining Michael's side, but not necessarily agreeing with him. But he is in an interesting spot here. Like, not only are Lindsay and Michael both two of his friends, I'm now they sure, have a child yeah, together. but I'm sure he still bears some emotional scars from all that he had to go through with Gus's rights in those early days. In fact, he cautioned Michael about this whole baby situation because of that. Well, now, Lindsay feels like none of this would have been an issue if Melanie would have been reasonable. And I kind of feel the same way, yeah, too. Yeah, because if she would have just said, Michael, not right now. Yeah, let's talk but, about it later. Yeah, but Brian's like, uh, are we talking about the same Melanie, reasonable yeah. and Melanie in the same sentence? <laughs> uh, yeah. Lindsay is a little upset with Melanie because if Michael goes through with this petition, Lindsay's going to be the one She's forced kicked out. out. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure part of Brian is like, oh, how the tables have turned mm-hmm. because he was Lindsay yeah. before. Yeah. Lindsay can't believe what a mess her life has become. And it's clear that Brian loves his friend because he could throw all these darts at her about this, but he immediately tries to help. And his default is to ask her if she needs money. Um, Not because she's a gold digger, though we do love to joke about that, but because that's one of the first tools that he has. I'd almost say it's his love language for him to offer that to someone that he loves. Right. Like we talked about this before and how, he has picked up more tools over the years, but the first two were provision and protection. Like mm-hmm. when he went to see his dad at the union in season one, he already had money in his pocket. He already knew what Because he was like, this is the only tether that I have to this man, yeah. really. And so that's just kind of default for Brian mm-hmm. to, to offer money to someone that he has some kind of... I got a question with. for you. Yeah. Even if Brian, I mean, even if Michael goes through with the petition, do you think that Lindsay would fall back for real and not and not continue to go see JR, not not continue to be the mother. Because Michael's not saying you can't be a part of the baby's life. Yeah, the thing, Michael is wanting 50%. That means Lindsay and Melanie have to share 50%, oh, yeah, which so is 25, 25 and 25. And 25. Yeah, yeah, he mm-hmm. ain't even trying to get a third. Yeah. You know, he uh. dude wants half. <laughs> and so you all, even by saying you won't have, you already done cut Lindsay out of the picture yeah. because all you see in this is a battle between you and one other person, one other mom, and that's Melanie. True. You ain't even considering me. So that's one way I feel like he's being rude and disrespectful. Right. No, <laughs> facts. Know? That's true. But for Lindsay, then she would have to fight Melanie. And this is a Melanie who her wife has cheated on her with a man. Yeah. Her wife has left with their son and she's having to share her ch- her daughter with, another with man. Michael. And then now you want to get your little 25%? Yeah. Like, girl... <laughs> okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. So, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Not a good look for yeah. none of the parties. Not a good look for any of the parties. So Lindsay tells Brian she doesn't need his money. She needs him to talk to Michael because that's his best friend. Brian tells Gus that everything's going to be okay. They're going to get it back on the tracks and the real and metaphorical tracks. And he's basically he's telling Lindsay he's going to help her. And I think Brian does care about Lindsay in the situation, but also about Gus. Because he has to know that's not easy on Gus. He remembers when they separated in season one Mm -hmm. and how 
Gus would be crying because he missed Melanie. You right. know, they're having to call and have Melanie sing him a song on mm-hmm. the phone at night to calm him down. And so he knows, even if it doesn't mean they get back together, we've got to figure out some kind of situation right. to where your parents are happy, but also to where you are are happy. Correct. And okay. So he does care about his son and about his friend, Lindsay, in this situation. I think Brian generally does a good job of separating things with his friends. Even when he had to check Emmett about being rude to Michael, he did throw in something that was for Emmett's benefit as well. Remember when Emmett was all upset because they were being friends with Ted and he didn't like that. Mm -hmm. And he told him like, hey, if you don't get past this, you're going to lose all of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he does usually try to keep it separate, but he still looks out for his friends. Even when he has to get one of them together. (laughs) Yeah. He can be controlling or heavy-handed at times when he thinks he knows what's best, but generally he lets people live their lives. Yeah, for my my argument would be, not not even argument. My opinion is for the most part he lets them do whatever they want to do. He said people gonna he thinks people are gonna do what they want to do anyway, so I'm not gonna stop you. But when he doesn't just step in, he's gonna get you together. I mean, he's brutally honest. Mm-hmm. He's gonna give you what you need to hear. And the truth as well. So, I mean, he's going to get you together. Yeah, but my thing is, so if he's indirectly telling Lindsay that he will help her, that's a pretty big deal. Oh, that's huge. That he's going to involve himself in this situation. Because really, it's none of his business. Right. At all. It's not. And he knows that. He stayed out of it because it's not his business. But I think it's because he can relate to Lindsay's position in this because he's been through it. (laughs) Yeah. And yes, she's his friend, but so is Michael. So I think it's something other than that. It's what we were talking about. Lindsay is the Brian in this situation, and he wouldn't want to be iced out of Gus's life, and he knows how that feels and Mm -hmm. how they treated him during all of that, and he doesn't want Lindsay to experience that. Even though she was the one inflicting that on him, Mm -hmm. he loves her enough to be like, you don't want that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but also Lindsay asked for his help, and Brian's getting a lot better at helping his friends when they ask. Like mm-hmm. He he usually will do it anyway, but not when they ask. You know? <laughs> He'll do it uh, when he's ready. Yeah, it's like, mm, I did this because I wanted to, not yes, because you asked me to. Part. But here, he's going to do it because of that. Yeah, but this just all feels messy mm. to me. Well, back at the wedding venue, Emmett has dyed the blouse, added a few flowers to the bouquet, and now no one would ever know this wasn't the color scheme all along. And her ass been married twice. She shouldn't have been in white anyway. <laughs> yeah, this is the third time. Yeah, like, girl, <laughs> yeah, stop. Yeah. Okay, you should have been in that color. Black hell. <laughs> yeah, they are all very impressed. And Emmett says he got his fairy wings by learning to turn a disaster into something beautiful. And I'm going to connect that to his experience at the fairy gathering in yes. season four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He sends him down the aisle to live happily ever after or until husband number four comes along, <laughs> whichever comes first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are back at the club and this time it's lit. Emmett has found himself a man for the night, but since there is no back room, they'll have to head to Emmett's place. Well, yep. Brian appears and tells Emmett that the last time he looked, there was a back room at Babylon. <sighs> and turns out we're not at Babylon. Yeah. This is Poppers. Poppers is what's up. I mean, Poppers look a little ratchet. It looks like, a, you know, low, like yeah. lightweight Babylon, like you know, low budget. Light, light, yeah. light, light, super low budget Babylon. It's low budget but, Babylon, but it is, it but is Poppers. It, yeah, they, it's, no one why it's called Poppers because yeah. it's popping, okay? Yeah. And they probably sniffing a little bit for you, too. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's it's on and popping over there. Poppers for sure. But I love to see how startled Emmett looked like, um, Brian. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, oh, I was going to stop by yeah. later. <laughs> yeah. How about now? Yeah. Okay. Well, then Emmett says, well, look, it's not my fault the herd has moved on. All the hot guys come here to Poppers now. 
except for that one guy over there, that old tired queen desperately trying to hang on. Well, that old tired queen is a bleach blonde teddy. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I think Emmett has secondhand embarrassment as he like sneaks himself out yes. of the club, seeing him over there jumping in that outfit. It's like Ted went to the store and told them, give me the gay hip cliche. Yes, I think he said, give me Malibu's most wanted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he come out looking like Eminem. I mean, yeah. everybody. It's like, Ted, you don't put all the trendy pieces together in one outfit. Not in one, baby. I Not mean, in one outfit. You're doing too much. They sprinkle too much fairy dust on you. Yeah. Brian can't just let Theodore make it. He sounds so hurt. Like, you too, Theodore. I know. <laughs> Brian tells him that he came to check out the competition, and Ted's like, oh, yeah, that excuse. I'll go with that one. And Brian says, well, is that supposed to explain why you're in disguise? But Ted tells him it's his new look. (laughs) He was trying for something newer and different. And that sure sounds like something Brian said in season one when he was trying to move off to New York. Ted would have rolled his eyes if he heard Brian say that Mm -hmm. back then. But now he can understand what Brian was, where he was coming from, that fear of getting older and becoming basic, (laughs) you know. But Brian is determined to be thorough with his reconnaissance mission. So when a guy starts filling him up on the dance floor, he has to follow through with it. I mean, it's part of the research, you know, check out the competition. You got to see what's going on. I'm a plant the seed. Yeah. (laughs) Literally. Yeah. Besides, if he's already losing his pants tonight. That part. Why not? Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Well, then we see Sunshine is home and it's almost like he never left. Brian is with a trick. And Justin greets him with a smile. Oh, I love that grin. Yeah, I love that grin. Yeah, he is happy to see Brian. And he's happy to see Brian being Brian. It was like, honey, I'm home. Yeah. And for Brian's part, I think he's happy to see Justin. Oh, he had a smile, too. Yeah. And, you know, Justin looks amazing. That The hair, the sun-bleached hair. Girl, in mid-stroke. The leather jacket. Yeah. In mid-stroke, Brian said, how was your flight? Yeah. I mean. mean, Asking questions. Yeah. Brian hasn't laid eyes on Justin in over three months, and he walks in looking like this. Yeah. And, you know, all thoughts of that trick went out the window the second (laughs) Justin opened the door to the Mm -hmm. loft. At that point, Brian was like, let me just finish this up right quick, you know? And I feel like they had a silent conversation looking at each other in that scene. And I think Brian was spurred to the um, finish line when he saw that he that did. sunshine smile on, on Justin's face. Yep. Were you nervous about Justin's response when he walked in and saw them? No, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, Justin know Brian is going to be Brian. He expected that. Justin was living his best life out in California. So I was happy. I thought he would have just stripped down and joined him. For real? I, yeah. w- I was surprised that he didn't join. But... Watching his face change and facial expressions change while Brian was doing the deed, uh, when Brian was getting close to coming, you could see that he was happy. Like, yeah, like he, he his eyebrows raised and he got a little mm-hmm. smile. Yeah. But yeah, I think he, he was excited to see Brian back in his element because when he left, Brian wasn't really Brian. You right. Know? So, well, and I think he was, yeah, because his face was changing, but mm-hmm. I think he was seeing Brian's response to him. Right. I think he's also deciding, okay, how do I feel being back in this space? And ultimately it was like, Brian's in this space. I don't care who else is in here and what else is going on. Yeah. And I think Justin needed the comforts and familiarity of home. And what's more familiar than walking in and seeing what's happening in the loft right now? That was home. (laughs) He's happy to see Brian and everything else is a non-factor. Yeah. That was a usual. (laughs) Yeah. Then we see Melanie trying to soothe JR, but nothing is working. There is a very aggressive knock at the door and it's Grandma Deb. Melanie doesn't think she should be there since Michael is suing her for custody. And it's not that she doesn't want anything to do with Debbie, but she's assuming conflict of interest mm-hmm. and probably like, I don't want to hear whatever. Right. You got to say, you to say defend in, your boy. To, in defense of Michael. Yeah. 
Well, Debbie says, hey, you haven't learned, have you? We've got a child here with a problem. She's reminding her the baby comes first. And I would say, go preach that to your son, too, Debbie. But Debbie is telling her she's not taking sides. She's going to be there for her granddaughter. And I think Melanie is happy to know that Debbie is not against her. Because I'm sure she is feeling alone yeah, right now. Like, alone. Yeah, Lindsay at least has Brian, and Ted is over there having a quarter-life crisis, <laughs> apparently. Uh. And he wouldn't understand this anyway. He doesn't right. have a child. He's not in a relationship. And so he would listen to his friend, but he really wouldn't understand this anyway. Mm. When Melanie tried to talk to Debbie, Debbie shut her down. She doesn't really have anybody with her except for JR. So I see why, again, I see why she's being so... Right. Protective That's about this. all she has. Yeah. But Melanie is still not at peace with Debbie being there until everything is settled. But as far as Debbie is concerned, it already is. She says the three of them fighting over this baby is worse than the biblical story involving King Solomon. That's when the two <laughs> women were fighting over the baby and the king proposes that they cut the baby in half. You what know? the hell? Yeah. Of course, he's using some reverse psychology because... He's trying to convince the real mother to please stand up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. So that's how that story plays out. But anyway, I don't really see the other two parents carrying on. Like, they were doing just fine, right. not really fighting over this baby. Maybe it wasn't the arrangement that they ultimately wanted to have. No, but they had, but, they had an But they were making it work. Yeah. yeah. And true, Melanie is being kind of Melanie about this. But, but still... Everything was mostly fine. She has the right to be aggressive. I mean, she literally just had a baby. We don't know if she's going through postpartum or anything. The baby's sick. Now she has to deal with law. Right. All, all this mess. Like, there's just a lot going on. Debbie says that a baby belongs with its mother. Now, right. She was wrong when she said this about Hunter. But I can see where she's coming from. And in this situation, she might be right. Exactly. She says maybe that's because she's a mother, a single mother. And anyone who isn't or hasn't been has no clue how tough that is. And that includes her son. So whatever she can do to help, she's there. And I love Debbie for for that. I like how Debbie got her ass together, too. Yeah. Melanie thanks her for being on her side. But Debbie sets the record straight. The only side I'm on is my granddaughter. That part. See, <laughs> yeah. Debbie, I mean, from when Debbie looks at you and says something, she mean it from the bottom of her heart. Yeah. I thought she was going to, like, murder her. Like, that was a threat. <laughs> like, I'm like, you know, now. You harm her hair on this baby head. If she right. stay over here, I'm coming for your ass. Yeah, y'all like, I mean, need to get y'all stuff together because yeah. my granddaughter shouldn't have to deal with this nonsense. Debbie is not playing. I now. feel like she'll go get a switch up the tree and get all of them. <laughs> yeah, she needs to get her son first. But <laughs> yeah. For real. Do you think that Michael, at this point in the episode, do you think that Michael would call this off if Debbie told him to? Um, or if Brian told him to? Because at this point, Lindsay well, yeah. has asked him to. Just so, at this point in the episode... At this point in the episode, yes, I feel like if Brian asked him to go ahead and call it off, he would. Because, I mean, or, or no, it needs to be Debbie. Because Debbie, you know, has the experience of being a single mom, you know, and things of that nature. And he knows the, the struggles that she went through, all the long hours she put in just to ensure his safety and ensure, make sure that Vic was still good and all this and that. So I think if Debbie went hard and was like, hey, call this off, all you're doing is stressing out the mom and the baby. If Debbie would have said all the points, yes, he would have called it off. Yeah. But, I mean, she needs to. She needs to go ahead and step up to the plate, though. Like, I mean, you read him down once. Yeah. But now that you know he got a lawyer, you know what I'm saying? Like, get his ass together. For real. What do you think? Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, I think, well, because she kind of talked to him before and kind of put him in his place. And I think if she picked that conversation back up and was like, Michael, at any time when you've been over there, has that child looked underfed? Has she been, like, naked with a dirty diaper on? Has she had bruises on her? 
okay, none of this stuff is happening. No clear signs of abuse or neglect are happening. So what are we really doing here? Exactly. I feel like if, maybe if she could have come from that angle, maybe it would have made him think about it. But she mm, she didn't put it like that. No, she didn't. She didn't. Well, we see Justin at the diner and he's catching everyone up. He looks so grown up right here. And <laughs> he's telling Ben, Michael, Emmett and Debbie about his perfectly awful time in L.A. and that he hated it out there. The weather never changes. Oh, my gosh, so much sun and perfect temperature. And he says, everyone only talks about the business. If you don't have a project going on, you're invisible. And Emmett thinks all of that can be easily overcome since all the guys are so hot. (laughs) But Justin says after a while, they all start looking the same. Perfect hair, perfect teeth, perfect bodies. And you can't trust anyone or believe anything anyone says. Everyone is only looking out for themselves and their own careers. I kind of think Justin's being a little less than honest in this scene. Mm-hmm. For real. Well, I mean, he had to. I mean, But I do think it did leave a bad taste uh, yeah, in his mouth. Yeah, it did. I think so. it left a bad taste in his mouth just the way you, you got the green light then just snatched right underneath you. And then, you know, Brett Keller moving on very quickly. Right. And then the whole living situation. Oh, I'm having renovations done, but you can crash for a few days just till you get know, up on your feet. Like, like oh, dude. I'm not even from here. What do you mean get on my feet? I don't have a job. My job just got fired. Yeah. Uh, and then the Connor with the new Justin. Everybody moves on yeah. so quickly. So I do think that part of it was the truth. Yeah, like part he, was the truth. But he he was enjoying himself. Yeah. Like, he, he did have a good time. Yeah. It was a learning experience for him, especially being so young. He was a hot it boy. He mm-hmm. had a big project on the, on the um, in the works. Um, yeah, I think he, he's, he had to tell himself that. To yeah. make him feel better about coming about home. About being, being yeah. here, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Justin doesn't want people to worry about him. And that is nothing new. He was doing that in season one when he was hiding his tears over his parents' response to him being gay. He was doing that in season two when he was pretending everything was okay after... The bashing. The bashing, yeah. He doesn't want to be babied or pitied. He's <laughs> a lot like Brian when it comes to that. And I'm sure he doesn't want to appear foolish either. You True. know, like, they made a fool out of you out there. Now, true, he and Michael were partners in this, but Justin is the one who uprooted his life to go try to make the impossible happen. Yep, he took all the blunt force. Yeah, he did. It's hard enough to deal with your own thoughts and feelings about that, but then you have to hear somebody else's. True, and as an artist, I mean, speaking with me being an actor. Exactly. So as an artist, it's hard putting yourself out there. Like, our work is our baby. We're passionate about our shit. Actually, just put it out there for Mm -hmm. the people to judge and, and, and view it takes a lot. So, I mean, like, he put himself out there. He was very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. He put his whole life, he, he uprooted him whole, his whole life to California. Yeah. I mean, really got involved in it for it to not happen and right. to be snatched away. And then to be, like, left in limbo, like, oh, it could happen or it may not happen or it's probably not going to happen. What do you do next? Yeah. How do you feel bad? How do you feel good about that? <laughs> right. You know, like, I do think his mask kind of slips during that last part when he's talking about you can't trust anybody because he did trust Brett Mm -hmm. and he trusted everyone else that was responsible for greenlighting this project and they all let him down. I do think during that last part, that was something that was very honest. Mm -hmm. You know, Don't trust the word that they say. They're only concerned about themselves. Then we see hip new Ted (laughs) and he he overhears all of this and he says it's exactly what you always hear about L.A., a bunch of shallow, superficial people trying to be what they're not. Now, he's saying this with his bleach blonde hair and a faux hawk on his head. And uh, they're all looking around at each other like, do we do the intervention now (laughs) or do we wait until he gets further out of hand? Yeah, I mean, Teddy, you're pushing it, Yeah, I'm sure Justin's going to send Emmett a text after this and be like, what is going on with Ted? Exactly. What did I miss? I've been gone for three months. No. Uh -uh. Debbie tells Justin that he's lucky he got out of there in one piece. 
And Michael is sorry to see the end of the Rage movie. And Ted says, yeah, and yeah, the end of the Rage money. money. Yeah, mm-hmm. so much for the Rage money. Justin is still trying to hide all of his hurt and disappointment. And he tells um, Ben and Michael, like, it's a good thing that it was canned. And Ben was right. Like, by the time they finished it, Rage would have been straight. And Ben pretends he isn't happy to hear that. Right. Uh, but we know that wasn't really the case. No, because it wasn't at all. Because they went into that office and Justin let the... And um, Justin was like, you doing it like this? Yeah. And here's why. Yeah. But at least they still have the comic and Justin is back, is what they all tell him. Emmett does ask him what he's going to do now. And Justin says he really hasn't had a chance to think about it. I'm sure he's asked himself that question a million times, but I doubt he has an answer yet. Debbie says that his old job is still waiting for him. And if Justin is like me, the thought of going backwards is like yeah. super depressing. I'm thinking Justin <laughs> could never bust no damn tables no more, boo yeah. Like, he, that's over. That was high school Justin. We're talking about movie star Justin yeah. now. Okay, he done been know. with some celebrities. Like, he done mingled uh, and rubbed elbows. Yeah, like, I ain't going to bust no tables. Yeah. No. At the diner? Right. Like, no. Nah. Ted does understand that, though. He says, would you like to die now or after we have coffee? (laughs) You know, if Brian keeps losing money at Babylon, he's going to have to put Justin back on that bar in that little angel costume. Exactly. That might be the temporary fix to both of their problems. We see Emmett collecting his check from Don, the groom from the wedding. They're on the set of the news station. And he tells him that everyone is still raving about the wedding and they love the blouse. Emmett tells him... So let him know if there's anything else that he can do to help. Well, there is. He wants Emmett. And you were like, oh, my gosh, is this about to be another Drew situation? I know, girl. I was like, hold up. Wait a minute. What is yeah. I was like, what is up with Emmett and these straight men? Yeah, because Emmett has heard this before. And he, he mutters, what is it with me and straight men? Emmett is trying to let him down easy, but he clearly misunderstood. He wants Emmett for the news team. Queer is very hot right now. Everyone wants the queer perspective. What do the gays think about fashion, cooking, decorating? That little fairy magic that gives all the straights a little twist. <laughs> you know, everybody wants that. And uh, he wants Emmett to do a new segment on their news show. From torso to the news, baby. Yeah. He wants him to give tips and do makeovers, give the gay point of view on things. And to be Channel 5's queer guy. Um, how do you like this offer for Emmett? I fucking love it. Emmett deserves all of this. Like, I mean, his whole career is just coming together with his party planning. I mean, now his queer eye. It, we we just seen Emmett do so many odd jobs to see him um, be successful. And this is, like, wonderful. Like, I'm, I'm excited for him. And I know that he's going to kill it. Emmett kills everything that he does. Right. You know, so, I mean, I'm and super And we were excited. always talking about how Emmett needs some change up he can still run his business but do this also because i think emmett is a person who's going to constantly need right new in his life True. or just gonna not even need it but he's just gonna always find it because he's such a versatile person mm-hmm. he's always gonna find something new to be doing in life yeah here's a random thought that pops into my head that i did not ask for but thinking about them saying that queer is very hot right now in Hollywood, they said queer was not hot. Mm-hmm. In fact, they said gay was out. But here, it's being we're being told that, yeah, it's the hip new thing. Everybody wants that. I think that's because it depends on the type of queer. Rage was very no apologies, no regrets. I don't think that's what they have in mind for the queer guy. And it's such a real world thing. We want different, but not different enough to make us uncomfortable. Like, make us laugh, but don't make us think or feel guilty 
and definitely don't motivate anyone into action. Exactly. So I'm interested in seeing if they're going to do something with that. Michael comes to Brian in a very empty Babylon. And honestly, I don't know if it's open or closed right now. <laughs> it looks the same. To be honest, ways. he need to close them doors with yeah, 12 people. It's empty whether it's closed yeah. or open, so I don't really even know. <laughs> we don't know. Maybe it's five minutes before open. Who uh, no, knows? Who knows? Uh, yeah. Michael says, without the lights and music and hot guys, it's just a room. And Brian's like, yeah, it's all an illusion. Nothing but cheap theatrics, which is what they said last episode. Brian tells him that he's sorry about his baby, not Jenny, but Rage. And I kind of wonder how that conversation went between Brian and Justin when Justin told him that he was back because the movie was pulled. I bet that he was very vague on the details. Yeah, and I bet Brian probably just listened. Yeah, I bet he listened. And I bet he knew. And Justin probably kept it to like, ah, they pulled the plug, no big deal, whatever. But he he knows that it affects him more, but he's not going to pry. Right. He knows that when you're ready to speak about it, you're ready to speak about it. I'm not going to force anything out of it. Right. Well, anyway, Brian summoned Michael to ask him to leave Melanie and Lindsay alone. He says they have enough going on without you seeking a lawyer on them. And he just goes like straight into it. Like, hey, leave them alone. Let them deal with what they're dealing with. Uh, Well, Michael doesn't think this is Brian's business if he wants to hire a lawyer. Who is he to tell him anything? And Brian's like, well, I'm Gus's father. Uh, Michael says Brian had to lose a testicle before he even knew Gus was alive. Uh Uh-uh. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. That is not true. Like, you don't know all the ins and outs of his relationship with Gus. And no matter how many minutes he spends with him, there's no question in my mind that he loves his son, that Brian loves his son. Absolutely. And he has made sacrifices for Gus. He wrote a check for daycare even when his job was on the line. Yep. He was over there pretending to be Lindsay's husband for while school. she was getting all hot in underwear. Yes. <laughs> when, that's just basic. And he's always written for checks for the boy. Yeah. Period. Anything okay. that they need, he's willing to do it. He signed over his rights so that for that relationship. So Melanie, because he knew they loved each other and he was like, hey, if this is something that will help y'all get back together, I'm willing to do right. this. And so he has made lots of sacrifices for mm-hmm. his son. So don't do that, Michael. No, and um, the fact that Michael would even say some shit like that, that's a low blow. Okay, thank and you. And you're supposed to be my best friend. Yeah, okay? because here's the issue. Brian was afraid that he would be as bad for Gus as Jack was for, for Brian. Him. Mm-hmm. And so that's the reason that he distanced himself from his son. Not because he didn't love him or didn't right. care. Yeah, so that was a very hurtful thing yeah, for Michael but to Michael say. Michael wasn't there when, when Brian was tossing and turning about signing the papers, not signing the papers. Right. It was Justin. So it was Justin. Brian yeah. doesn't, I mean, um, Michael doesn't know. But even but, just that you think that little of me. Yeah, and you consider me your best friend. Right, you're supposed to know me better than anybody else. Right. But, mm. I will say that, I mean, it really isn't Brian. So now I'm mad at Lindsay because it's not, it's not Brian's <laughs> business to yeah. even get in that shit. Right. But, I mean, yes, as I don't think. He was expecting to Michael to go so hard because that don't even sound like Michael. Like, Yeah. And Michael, when have you ever cared about something not being someone else's business? Yeah. Like, anytime someone tells you to stay out of Brian's business, you're like, but I'm his best friend. Yeah, so, that's what you always go yeah. to is. Brian is clearly hurt by what Michael says. But while he doesn't defend himself, he does scoff because he has come so far with Justin's help, but also just kind of working at these things himself. He has come so far since season one. And for you to not see that at this point when you're supposed to be the closest person to me, like... It's some, a shitty feeling. Yeah. Like, he knows he may not be the greatest father or friend, but he also knows that he is so much more than they accuse him of. And he always has been. Even in season one, he was still more than what they said he was. But now he's even more yes. than that. I'm sure a part of him has to be like, wow, you still see me that same way. Like, why am I not surprised exactly. by that? 
if this were season one, he would have just said, you're right, Mikey, and then gone off and got super high and yeah. drunk. Yeah. And then didn't talk to him for two days and let Michael come back in the pot. I've been, where have you been? Yeah. I've been calling you for three days and I searched all over. You yeah. weren't in Babylon? <laughs> I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Michael knows that he went too far and he apologizes, but when things like this just spew out of you, I feel like you that's feel, already inside mm-hmm, of you. Yeah. You felt that. And he says it was an uncalled for remark. He doesn't say it's not true. He doesn't say, hey, I shouldn't have said that. I know that wasn't, that wasn't right. I know that's not you. I know you love your son. He just says it was uncalled for. I don't want this apology. You can have it back. Here you go. Thank you. (laughs) Keep that. Yes, Brian said he would spend more time with Gus after the cancer thing, but it's not like he forgot he had a son up until Mm -hmm. then. Even I don't hate Michael. I really don't. I love the Novotny Bruckners, even when they work my nerves. But Michael is a friend that I would have to have in very small doses. And at some point, we'd have to have a very long conversation. Yeah, we would have one of those uncomfortable conversations. Like, this is the ground rules, and we will not overstep these boundaries here. Uh, Michael assumed that Brian would understand because he is Gus's father. What Brian understands is that if Michael goes through with this, Lindsay is the one who will be left out. And Michael says, well, she should have thought about that before she cheated on Melanie and lied to me. I'm like, what? So you're doing this because she lied to you? Is that that, that the level of pity that we're at right now? Stupid. Yeah. Like, why is Michael making this about him? They didn't plan for any of that to happen. Melanie was already pregnant when it did happen. And he can't be upset with them for not staying together when they were unhappy. And they really don't owe Michael anything. True. And who's saying that Michael and Ben are going to stay together? Because exactly. three, four episodes ago, this man was literally almost cheating on you. He was almost. Yeah, so. Okay. <laughs> like, I just don't understand why he's feeling so betrayed by this. Like, okay, they lied. Shame on them. But the truth came out. Now everyone knows. And during all this, the kids were safe. The only thing he said was, yeah, well, sometimes I would see where you were upset or somebody was out at work. or da-da-da. It was never anything about the kids. It was never Gus looked, it's them. looked nervous or scared or afraid. It was never about the safety of the of the kids. He's hung up on yep. them not being together. Yep. I'm like, why? And I'm like, at this point, what are we supposed to do? Shove the baby back yeah, up in Melanie? Or, what? or do you want them to get together and, and then, then treat each other horrible in front of the children? Right. It's like, what what are we wanting here? Brian tells him to give it a rest. Like, they all know the story of what happened. We don't need you to keep rehashing what happened with their with their marriage. Like, why are you continuing to beat them up about it? And Michael says, how about instead of defending her, you start defending me, your best friend. And he I'm always like, does. I'm like, yeah, he always defends you. He was even defending him to Lindsay earlier yeah. when he was like, oh, who does he think he is, the father or mm-hmm. something? Um, but also, Michael is just wrong, or at the very least rude, about the way he's handling the so- whole situation. Michael says that right now, the best thing for Jr. is to be with him and Ben. And again, I'm like, okay, why? Yeah, please Um, tell me why. Yeah, he says, in a stable home and not being passed back and forth between two battling lesbians. Again, why, though? I'm still waiting for a convincing reason. And she's not being passed back and forth between them. Um, She stays in one spot. (laughs) Yeah. And again, you're really not concerned about their safety because you still haven't mentioned Gus in any of this. If a one-parent household or co-parenting situation is such an awful thing for a child, why why aren't you like, we're going to take custody of Gus, too? Exactly. <laughs> you know? Like, he is just trying to be the model pseudo-hetero family is what Michael's trying to do. I don't understand what problem he's trying to solve here. What do you think about Brian asking him to back off? Yes, he overstepped, but at the same time, I mean, he loves both of them. Mm-hmm. And he also can see that they've done a really good job with his child. They may be at each other's throats right now, them, but that's never going to affect the way that they love and and take care of those kids. I thought that was a stand-up thing. 
Yeah, yeah, you overstepped. It wasn't your business to get in, but since she asked you to get into it, but, yeah. I mean, you're in it, you know? Yeah, and because Michael has made this bigger deal, he's pulled everybody into it yeah. at this point. I kind of so, I mean, But yeah, I kind of didn't mind it. Like, usually... I try to keep them all within the boundaries of their own stuff and their mm-hmm. own relationships, but sometimes they all need someone else to help them see things from a different perspective. From the outside looking in. Yeah, or to be a voice of reason. And so I kind of felt like Brian was trying to do that. Before Michael can get out the door, Brian asks, like, when did you change? When did you become this pious, sanctimonious, judgmental twit? Is twit a bad word? No. Okay, well, good. I can say that. Um, uh, Brian pointed out some very similar things when Michael started acting funny the way he was with Dr. David when he was driving that gold car and taking his Captain Astro t-shirts to the dry cleaners or whatever. But Michael says, the point is not when did I change? The point is why haven't you when are you going to stop being some over-the-hill club boy and grow up? And Brian's like, oh, so now I'm the object of your disapproval, too. He says, you and the nutty professor get married in Canada. And I think the emphasis there is that you did it in a place where it's an actual legal thing. You felt like you had to take it to that extreme. Yeah. You moved to Stepford Avenue with all the other heterosexuals, and suddenly that gives you the right to make pronouncements on everyone else's life. Well, the other side of your perfect marriage, Mikey, is called gay divorce. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And gay people can mess up their lives just like the rest of the world. And all that to say, life can happen to you too. So don't act so high and mighty. That part, because baby, you about to fall. I mean, I don't want to wish nothing bad on this man's character. But I want to see something happen to Michael. It'll wake his ass up. He hasn't had anything happen to him. Right. At all throughout the Definitely season. Definitely that no one else has shielded him from yeah. or taken the blunt of it yeah. from him, be it Michael, I mean, sorry, be it Debbie or Brian, you know? Yeah, like I want something to happen to him. Like, <laughs> not, not, not saying beat up I or, just or want killed or him anything. To, I want him to learn some lessons, yeah. Yeah, well, Michael calms himself down because apparently he's supposed to be the mature one in this conversation. <laughs> and he says that he's just trying to look out for his daughter and protect his rights. And he's sorry that Brian can't see that. And I'm like... Go on out the door. The exit like, is over there. Okay, go out the door. I was surprised Brian didn't go all the way in yeah. on him. Because Brian, I feel like Brian held back. Yeah. Well, we see Ted at home checking himself out in the mirror. He's trying to see what nips and tucks he might need. And Emmett stops by to tell him about his new job offer. He is returning to the cameras, this time with his clothes on. <laughs> uh, he's going to be sharing tips, making quips, and generally showing Pittsburgh how to be fabulous. Yes. Ted says that he can start by showing him, and Emmett tells him there's nothing wrong with him. He pulls him to the mirror, makes him take a closer look at himself. His true self, the person who kicked Crystal, who completed the Liberty Ride, who mm-hmm. got a great job and turned his life around. Mm-hmm. And he should be very proud of himself. Who cares if he's put on a few pounds? And has a few character lines. Stop looking at the shell and see the pearl. That's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. That should be on a fortune cookie. Yeah. (laughs) That was really, really nice. I mean, but that's true Emmett fashion to build. That's what he does. He builds you up, Mm -hmm. you know. And, I mean, and the fact that he and Teddy are now back to that, that, that friendship, that space. I mean, I just love it. Yeah. It's kind of funny because he just told Ted not to fixate on looks as he goes to work on his looks. Yes, I know. (laughs) Yeah. Ted sends him off, telling him to be a great, that he's going to be a great queer guy. Uh, I mean, he already is. And Ted picks up the phone and calls the number to make an appointment for a plastic surgeon. Uh, so ooh, That would have been me. <laughs> Thank you. I needed to hear that. Y'all got any openings? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we want to fix the shell up yes. <laughs> and this pearl. Yeah, that part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then we see Melanie stop by Red Cape to talk to Michael. And I'm kind of nervous, but hopeful. 
Can you imagine how JR is going to be with those two stubborn and unreasonable Girl, parents? Like, who bless it? Yeah. She's going to have to spend her teenage years away from me, yeah. preteen years too. Like, yeah. She's going to be passionate. Very. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And never going to back down. When Michael sees Melanie, he tells her that his attorney said they shouldn't, that he shouldn't talk to her. Uh, Melanie is a lawyer, too, and she thinks that Bobby Bennett is being overly cautious. After all, they are friends. They should be able to talk through this. They're family. And Michael's like, are we? Oh, oh yeah. Lord. Melanie thinks they can work it out. She admits that she might have overreacted, but she was being protective the way any mother would have been in that in that situation. And Melanie says there's no question that uh, he is a part of Jenny's life, but she's young, still breastfeeding right now. When she's four or five, she can spend some time with you and Ben. She feels like that's reasonable. And Michael's like, how dumb do you think I am? He was like, I'm not even going to finish that. Yeah. I mean, four or five might be a bit much before she can go it spend is. some time. It is. Four or five. Yeah, that but is at the a... same time, you're not going to take her now, though. Right. But I really think if this wasn't all happening right after the affair, right after the separation, Melanie probably wouldn't be acting so territorial with the baby. Right. And she would let Michael have her a little bit more. Maybe not with this, like, formal written arrangement, but just like, sure, take her for the weekend or whatever. Well, Michael isn't having it. He says, first you try to tell me I don't have any rights, and now you're telling me I can't take her until she's five. And I'm just like, get out of my face, Michael. <laughs> yeah. yeah, get that, out of my face. No, for real. Like, get the hell out of my face. He's so extra. Yeah. I mean, for real. Ex- she, she made plans to come down to, like, to settle, you know what I'm saying? To bury mm-hmm. the axe or the hatchet or whatever that phrase is, you mm-hmm. know, like to bury that mug. And you still want to just be argumentative, so no. Michael is not going to drop it. Melanie can't believe he's doing this to them after they all agreed he would be the father, not just a sperm donor. But Michael is like, so why won't you let me have her? Have her for what? Yeah. Like, why do you need to have her all of a sudden? Like, what is it? I, mm, I tell you, I wanted to punch Michael. Uh, at this point in this episode. It's not even like she's demanding child support from him. And I think that's what she should do. Put that yes, child support. Okay. Put that child support in his life. You know, then he and Ben would have to take those boxes right back across yes. the hall from baby Babylon. That like part. you okay. want some rice? Okay, let me get them coins up out you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want the rice? Yes. You know what? Because um she's staying with the mom. Yeah. Okay, she's staying with me. Because any judge is not they're not gonna take that baby from the mama. Good luck, Michael. Good yeah. luck. Well, then, just as heated, but in a different way, we head over to the loft where a reunion of sorts is happening. Yes. And I'm going, yeah, I'm going to venture to say that Brian hasn't had that good of a time in bed in about three months. Oh, no, we haven't <laughs> seen that that face, you know, like that ecstasy face that he yeah. makes. You know? like, we haven't seen that. Yeah, so. I love this scene with them. It's so cute, the conversation between them next. And Brian asks him, so is it all you remembered? And Justin's like, and more. Yes. <laughs> And then Justin asked Brian the same question, and he tickles him into submission, admitting that it was great. <laughs> I just love them together. It was back. It was like our our, our gang is complete again. Mm-hmm. And also, I feel like Justin finally, like, once they were able to connect, the weight was finally lifted off of him. Like, mm-hmm. okay, that's old. I'm grounded again. I'm back. It's yeah. like that connection between Justin and, and Brian. I love this because do you think Brian ever asks a trick how it was? Never. For real. I don't think he would even ask a trick that if he knew it was their first time because Brian knows that he's good at this. He never doubts or questions his skills in this area. Even though he's super chill when he's asking, Brian is a little self-conscious, I think. He wants to know that Justin isn't bored with him and that he didn't go out and find better. And you better believe he was putting out his best moves for his man because he didn't want to disappoint him. 
Now, I don't think Brian is necessarily doing this, but I want to link it back to their very first night when Brian told Justin, I want this to be something you'll always remember so that no matter who you're with, I'll always be there. And I'm going to say this is him trying to confirm that's still the case, that he's still the standard by which all others are measured. That night it was don't forget me. And here it's I'm making sure you didn't forget me (laughs) and you haven't replaced me that you haven't had better. So that's that's my personal my personal little thing. And then Justin, of course, like we said, is asking the same thing, but he's not asking for the same reason. He knows Brian well enough to know not to expect a straight answer to that question. So I think it was his way of showing Brian that he also wants to know that this is still everything they thought it was, like not just sex, mostly them and their relationship. It's like he's saying, I also want to make sure everything is just as we left it between us, despite the passage of time and me being gone for a little while. Like he wants this to be mutual, Justin does. Justin isn't going to stand for Brian hating on his talents, of course. So that's how we get the tickle fight, which I love. And it's so cute to see them laughing together and being so playful with each other. Transport them 20 years from now. I don't think they would ever lose that. The friendship and the playfulness that is involved in that relationship. I don't think that that would ever go anywhere. But I love that sincere and genuine, huge smile that Brian gives him when he tells him it was great. And then I also look how they are just laying there all sweaty and sticky. Remember, I think it was back in season one and Brian said that was a sign of something to do with relationships or feelings. I'll have to find the right episode or I know somebody will, somebody will send it to me. <laughs> somebody who's watched it like a million times knows exactly what I'm talking about and they will send it to me. Anyway, they probably haven't really talked since Justin told him he might have to stay longer. And Brian, of course, was like, nope, it's over. I'm moving on with my life and he needs to move on with his. And now look at him here grinning and giggling up a storm. This man tells all lies when it comes to the enormity of his feelings for Justin. Like he's been doing that since season one, always denying The full extent of those emotions. Justin walked in that door and all of that nonsense was shoved right out the window. Like Mm -hmm. Brian is not about to leave this man. Exactly. Brian tells Justin that he thought he was never coming back. And that's a very major moment of Brian being vulnerable and completely open with Justin and admitting a little bit of fear. Like, I thought you had moved on from this. And so he's revealing those insecurities and fears that he usually tries to hide. And I think that's a very important thing in their relationship. That's a very huge step for them. And I think we get there because of all the places that we've gone. There are many, but I'm going to just go back to one of the more immediate ones. And that's the chicken soup speech. I think were it not for that, where it's like, we're going to talk openly and honestly about our issues. (laughs) And you're going to say what you're thinking. I'm going to say what I'm thinking. And we're going to move forward. Mm -hmm. And so I think had we not gotten those little milestones along the way in their relationship, we don't get to this level of vulnerability. And that's not the final level, but it just shows we're continuing these lessons that we learn. We take them and we implement them into our relationship. So I love that even in admitting this vulnerability that he should be over by now. It's still showing some growth in that relationship. When Brian said he didn't think he was coming back, I love that scene because it kind of showed Brian letting down his walls and his insecurities. Like, yeah. I didn't think he was coming back. I mean, boy, this man loves you. He was going to come back for sure. It don't matter where you were. He was going to come for sure. But yeah, I, I, I love that scene. Again, 
I love to see Brian be vulnerable. I love to yeah. see him being open, especially with Justin. Um, they come so far, you know, mm-hmm. all the cat and mouse chasing game that they did over the seasons. Finally, they've made it a unit. Yeah. But Justin is not surprised. He says he figured he knows Brian. He heard in the pauses during that phone call. He heard it in Brian's tone and in his word choice. He knew Brian was trying to put those walls up again. And Brian says, why would you? As in, why would you come back? Justin shakes his head and says, can't imagine. That's not the answer Brian was looking for, because that's not how this game works. He wanted Justin to make this easy on him. But just like Justin knows Brian, Brian knows Justin. And I think Brian knows that Justin didn't spew all this romantic junk all over him, because Brian should already know the answer to that question. He's not doubting Justin. Brian is doubting himself. He's doubting if he's really worth Justin coming back for like hey was this is this what you wanted to do but also is this a smart move for you is this a wise move for you I mean you could say he didn't have a choice but I think he did have a choice he could have I mean Justin's resourceful he could have figured it out so (laughs) if he wanted to so I think he did come back because he wanted to even after the movie being pulled and even after being disillusioned with all of it. I think he came back because he wanted to. And Justin doesn't get all misty-eyed telling Brian how much he missed him because that's not usually the best way to respond to Brian. Brian has just taken a pretty big leap by opening up a conversation about his feelings. Like, he initiated this. And Justin knows that makes him uncomfortable. And we usually see Justin balance that or lighten things up or find a way to make Brian not feel even more awkward when he does start a conversation like this. And so he gives Brian a minute to address his own self-doubt and to think about the answer to that question on his own. I think Justin wants Brian to get to a place where he has more faith in himself and in their relationship. But, um, and maybe there's a hint of, are we really still doubting this? Really, is that still where we are? (laughs) But Justin has learned to be patient. Brian occasionally still has to convince himself that just that Justin actually did choose him, not because he doubts Justin's love again, but because he still doesn't always think he's worthy of it. After all this time, Brian should be over those same worries, but he's not. And I don't think he's hurt by Justin's response. I think he feels a little kind of itchy within himself because it's still hard for him to believe some of this is really happening, that he really gets to have this and that someone like Justin really wants to have it with him I think it's a little like not that he's embarrassed but he's probably thinking I should stop asking him questions like that because that probably is disappointing and maybe annoying (laughs) and not that Brian needs to stop being vulnerable but why ask a question you already know the answer to so I think that's where he's at he's like I know the answer to this I he's told me this I believe this I need to just like put my faith in this We see Brian grab a cigarette, probably needing to pull himself back together after his confession. He finds Justin's rage panel on the floor and takes a closer look. And then Justin is back from the bathroom and he tells Brian it's one of his storyboards from the movie. And Brian thinks it's really good because I think that he, even though he's very cautious in how he does things and can be a little bit of a pessimist, he knows that this movie, if a movie was going to make it or be worth it, it was this movie. And he's always validated the work that they were doing with this comic. It's clear that Justin has something on his mind, and at first, he's going to hold it in, but Brian kind of stares it out of him. But also, Brian just shared something very honest and was very vulnerable, and so it's only fair for Justin to do the same thing. When they hold things in from each other, that's when the problems occur. But when they talk through them, that's how they kind of move forward as a team. 
He tells him how he told everyone how awful L.A. was, but the truth is he loved it. It was fun and exciting. They were going to change the world with the first gay superhero, but now it's over. I think it's a big deal that Justin is sharing this disappointment with him. He doesn't like to appear weak in front of Brian, and Brian was already a little cautious with his optimism about this whole project. So he could be setting himself up for a big fat I told you so, but he shares his truth with him and only with him. Like he's not told anyone else this side of it, and he's not let himself be heartbroken and crushed over it in front of anyone else he only trusts brian with that and brian doesn't really have anything to fix it but he sits up and he tries to offer what justin needs in that moment and it might just be someone to listen to him and be like yep i totally understand where you're coming from and then brian says and now you're back it must be quite a letdown after that true but justin tells him there's still one thing pittsburgh has that hollywood doesn't and here he's giving him the answer to that question from before and he gives brian a look to say that's you dude in case you're still wondering why i'm back (laughs) and brian gets that validation he was fishing for and justin gets a very satisfied smile from him in return plus a very sweet kiss then justin has to make sure the move in with me offer still stands call back to i think 215 <laughs> uh, when justin was like well you know i want to take you up on that offer like does it still stand and i was like oh look because brian hesitated brian <laughs> hesitated and i was like oh my god like, I think, but the hesitation was okay let me sh- it's gonna be real vulnerable yes. when i show him this yes but I, my heart was dropping i was like oh because you know justin doesn't even know justin doesn't know that brian had dropped his ass Right. When he had to extend the little time, oh, I'm, I'm going to stay a look three more months or whatever the case, I'm going to come back in six months or whatever. You know, um, so the fact that when he pulled that drawer open and it was completely empty, you know, you heard me, I got the yeah. screaming. So, I mean, <laughs> I know, we were both almost in tears. Yes, jumping for joy. I mean, it, it was it was good. Good scene. Good scene. Instead of responding with words, Brian leans over and opens the drawer that has been empty all this time waiting for Justin's drawers. The empty drawer is perfect, and it is also everything. It tells us that Brian is learning to hope in something that he can't control and to have faith in someone. He doesn't leave things to chance, really, but he had no choice in this situation but to allow himself to hope and to say, okay, whatever Justin told me, I'm going to hope that there's a chance that it's true, that he's going to come back. He's going to go do his thing. And he's going to come back. And when he does, I'm going to be here waiting for him. He talked a good game that day when they were out trying to shop when he was out with Michael. But in his heart and in his loft, he held out hope that he was wrong. Hope that maybe Justin really did love him and would come back to him like he said he would. And so it's kind of similar to what we saw during the Liberty ride. It's like, he told me he was going to do this. I'm going to believe him. And that was a little bit different because there were guarantees in that one. It was like, okay, here is your your flight leaves on this day and it returns on this day. So that situation was a little bit different. This one required a lot more hope and a lot more faith and a lot more trust, which means you're open to a lot more hurt <laughs> if um if he doesn't come back or if it continues to be extended. And so this is really stretching him, but it's a good kind of stretch and I think it's going to teach him some of that object permanence that we were that I was talking about in the last episode. I think it could help him learn some of that. Because the question in him going away or being away was after he experiences everything that Hollywood has to offer, would he still want to come home to me? And the answer is yes. Now you can talk about how it's kind of colored because of what happened with the movie 
And maybe that's a conversation that will come back up later. Maybe it's not. Well, we'll see. But the point is, it was a risk that he took and part of him wanted to give up, but clearly a part of him held on to hope. And that is amazing and beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, I loved this final scene with the two of them. It tells us a lot about where they are as a couple. They are able to talk about their feelings and they are super comfortable with each other physically. And all the things that a magazine article or whatever would tell you are signs of a healthy relationship. They are exhibiting that right here. And also they are both on some new journeys individually. So I'm looking forward to see how they support each other in that mm-hmm. and to see if the, those journeys are parallel, if they converge or if they are diverge or is that the word? I know divergent is a word. You know what I'm talking about. In some ways we pick this relationship back up where we left it, but the men are not exactly in the same place as where we left them. So that's going to be interesting to to see Like for Justin, I know he's a person who needs a purpose and a mission. And so as he's coming back and he kind of has this blank slate, I really want to see what he does with that. And like I said, he needs a purpose and a mission and he has neither right now. So he's got to figure out what to do with himself. And while he's putting his life back together, he still has this relationship also that is continuing to evolve and grow and mature. So yeah, I'm looking forward to all of it. All right, guys. Well, um, that completes um episode, I mean, season five, episode two. Let, let us know what y'all think. And again, y'all be honest about the Michael situation. I know. Are we just crazy? Yeah, are we crazy? Let us know what's up. We're dying to know, are, are we insane or is Michael doing the most? Okay. Yeah, and we're not just saying this because we hate Michael. We just really feel like he is doing the most True. right now. I mean, maybe I'm, I mean, like I said before, I come from a single, a single parent home. So maybe, you know, my views are a little different. So y'all get us together and let us know. As we always say, keep it interactive. And until next time, guys, we are out of here. Here. Bye. Bye.